0: It's the World Wide Sports Radio Network.
1: What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one... More. There's that's it. One more. Get it around. No. They saw your team. Put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days, they used to have oxygen for Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this. This. this is
2: the sports loudmouth.
3: Yay. Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here with Errol Marks and Speedy Speedy.
2: You're not even a has been.
1: Here
2: it never was. Here it never
1: was. You're November 16th, ladies and gentlemen. 631 oh, 672 is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports mouths. You can check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS. Yes, it's WWSR. And actually, the Apple is not working. And I don't know what's going on with our app. I reached out to our app uh, distribution company. Uh, They're they're not really helping me out very much. But it is on at least Android. So if you have an Android, you can check it out by going to Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Or you can go to WWSRN. So uh, I'm right now in the process of figuring out what's going on with the app on on Apple. I have no idea, but uh, I want to apologize to all the fans. But everybody that has it, uh, good for you. <laughs> Oh, Speedy, what's going on, man?
3: Well, um, normal for me, just waiting for Thanksgiving. Um, I want to send a send a shout out uh, to all the families and all the teammates that uh, lost the three uh, three football players that passed away in that very tragic shooting in Virginia. Horrible, yeah, uh, absolutely uh, horrible. All, all. 21 or younger and uh, absolutely terrible that this kind of thing still goes on. so sending love, sending condolences to that entire community, teammates, family, etc out there in Virginia.
1: Um, I've been going through a lot my own self and uh, I want to give a shout out to my family. Uh, my aunt, Alice passed away last yesterday and uh, I didn't find out until last night. Uh, today I went to her funeral. Uh, It's been very, very hard. I've lost three family members in less than a year. Uh, It's been crazy. It really has been. But uh, uh, I want to give a shout-out to, uh, obviously, my Uncle Michael, uh, my cousins Jonathan, Douglas, my uh, cousins Shawnee and Sarah uh, for the loss of their mother and my aunt. So a shout-out to the whole Marks family. Um, And everybody knows how I feel about – you know my family. I'm a family guy, and it's uh, it, it's horrible. It really is, and uh, it, it just it, it shows you how quick life can go, and and how quick life can be. So it it's never it never goes through my head how quick I could be gone today from tomorrow. So I, I it's just it's crazy. It really is. So you cherish the time that you have on this earth because you don't know when it's going to be gone. So um so a shout out to my aunt Alice. Uh, she was a good aunt a person that I looked up to when I was a child. And uh, uh, I lost touch for a significant amount of time, but uh, uh, she's always been a good person to me, and she always took me in as one of her own. So, uh, yeah, may she rest in peace. Um, At 8 o'clock, we'll be talking to former commanders and Browns fullback and tight end, Mike Sellers. At 9 o'clock, we'll be talking to the athletic NBA managing editor, Tyler Bastide. right? Baptiste. Batiste. Okay, Batiste. Um, We are going to get into Justin Verlander, Verlander saying that he is seeking a contract like Max Scherzer. We all know everybody wants to seek a contract like that. As we know, Jacob deGrom is seeking that same contract with a little bit more time, a little bit more years. But obviously he's 31 years old, so he has a lot more time. Justin Verlander is what, 40 years old? Yeah, I think he'll be forty by the season start. Yeah, so what what is he expecting? Two years? Yeah. Like Scherzer's was three years, one thirty, so something like that, I guess. I don't think he's going to get that. I- even though he had a Cy Young year, he is possibly going to win the American League Cy Young. I, I believe we'll we'll be hearing that probably in the next couple hours, mm-hmm. that he will be the American League Cy Young winner. We have the National League Cy Young winner. So it'll be very interesting to see. Uh, Where Justin Verlander goes in free agency, it will not be the Houston Astros. I can tell you that. They are not re-signing him. 18-4 and record, 1.75 ERA. Fantastic. A whip under, I I think, if I'm not mistaken, under one.
3: Yeah, it's like .8 something. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah,
1: so he's as good as it gets in the American League. I'm very surprised that he is going to free agency and he's testing the waters, being that he is 40 years old. So... Uh, It'll be interesting. It's definitely – I've been coming off obviously being sick, so I want to apologize to any of the fans if you hear me cough or um, speak out of tone. So uh, I just want to let everybody know that I'm coming off uh, being a little sick. Um, We will get into the Yankees re-signing Anthony Rizzo to a two-year deal worth about $34 million, club option for a third-year at seventeen million, I think that 's what Anthony wanted I, I I do believe if they lose Aaron judge, he will be the leader of this team moving forward. I think uh, the Yankees really like him and and what he had at the season that he had this year, and really what he stood for for the New York Yankees when he came back from his injury. Uh, he plays a big part defensively for them at first base and uh, even though he didn't hit for average this year, he hit for power and he gave you the RBIs that you need from a first baseman. I think he still has it in him. And I, now that the shift is going to be gone, I think it's only going to help him out in the American League. So I think that was a good move for the New York Yankees. Um, the NFLPA president, J.C. Treder sends a letter to the NFL league office um, petitioning to ban turf fields. Now, we heard Odell Beckham, Over the last couple of weeks, complaining, obviously, for all the injuries that have been happening over the last couple of years to the turf on the field. Now, having grass, first of all, you have to keep up with it. It is very expensive. It really is. In the NFL, they're trying to save money, and they're trying to put more money in the players' pockets. So, I I understand that the NFLPA and the players' union want this to happen. I don't know if the NFL is going to agree to it, because I think it's going to be very costly in the long run. Now, I could be wrong, but uh, we don't even know if Roger Goodell is going to have a job after him him getting sued uh, from the uh, yeah Washington's uh, DA. So I, I have no I have no idea what's going to happen when it comes to Roger Goodell and the NFL. PA or whatever. So uh, we will get into that as well. Raiders say uh, they will not fire Josh McDaniel after a 2-7 and seven start. Uh, it's going to be very, very hard if I was Mr. Davis at the end of the season, sitting there in the owner's circle and saying, Hey, you know what? I'm going to stand up for Josh McDaniels, even though he is, I don't know, 2 and." In- Seven uh, two and sixteen for my team or two and fifteen for my team seventeen games so I, I I don't know what's going on with the Raiders. This is a team that was better than this last year. They made the playoffs last year they, with the the skin of their teeth, but i i, I don't i I don't know what's going on with this organization, and, and adding the pieces that they added in the offseason in, in Adams, who is a superstar wide receiver, you would think that this offense would be better. It's been one of the worst offenses in the NFL. So, And everybody keeps saying, well, Derek Carr's numbers are up. Yeah, his numbers are up. The team's aren't. So uh, I don't know where they're trying to sell this. And Everybody says the defense is worse than it was last year. The defense is worse. Yeah. The offense is worse. They, th- the only thing that's been really working for them is their running game. That's it. Josh Jacobs, who, by the way, is a free agent in the offseason. Yeah, and if he doesn't want to play for Josh McDaniels, I would uh, good riddance. You're not I would be able to keep him. <laughs> I wouldn't if I was him. I, I'd go somewhere else where yeah. I have a better chance of winning. Hey, two and sixteen might be credible. Who knows? The Raiders maybe will lost the bye week too. <laughs> they're not they're not re-signing him. I, and if I was Josh. Josh Jacobs, I, I go elsewhere. There's a lot of other teams, aka the Baltimore Ravens that would love him. Yeah. Okay. Uh they've had problems with DK Dobbins, uh, DK Dobbins and and some of the other wide you know, running backs that they've had over the last couple of years. Uh you bring in, you know, Josh Jacobs, who hasn't stayed healthy in the last two years, but a uh, power back like that in that offense with Lamar Jackson, forget it. I mean, the Patriots, uh, even though they're running game and I don't think they spend the money, but they would be great. Um, obviously they're not the, the 49ers are not going to make any no. moves because they have one. They just traded away their their life with that. But um there are other teams looking for a star running back. So I expect Josh Jacobs to find another home, including maybe the Kansas City Chiefs. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, that's a team that's a That's a way to stick on. us to the Raiders. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh the Giants and the Cowboys rumored as most likely destinations for Odell Beckham. Uh there are uh, Quite a few people that are speaking out who used to be a part of the New York Giants organization, a.k.a. Tiki Barber, who believes that Odell Beckham is going to choose the New York Giants over the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, A lot of people think that there's an inside source that Odell Beckham could be signed by the end of the week by the New York Giants. So Giant fans could be very excited uh, being uh, that they get their star wide receiver back uh, that they haven't had for probably the last, well, has been over the last four years. Nice. So uh, to bring in a player like that uh, at that magnitude going into the playoffs could really give him that weapon that they really need to possibly move forward offensively. So it'll be very interesting to see where he goes. If it's between the Giants and the Cowboys, I think the Giants will win. So uh, when it comes to the big, because he always liked the Giant fans. He really did. Yep. He had a lot of respect for the fans over here in New York. Uh, he will, he really became a superstar here. He never wanted to leave. It really had a lot to do with the coaching and uh, Gettleman, who didn't like him. So uh, I know the Giants would love to bring him back, and uh, the fans would absolutely have a heart attack if he steps on the field uh, again as a New York Giant. So why don't we get into it? Let's get into football first because – there's a lot to get into, and we will get into the week ten recap at the end of the end of the show, like we always do. Uh, being that we have our first guest, uh, who is a football phenomenon, uh, an ex NFL player. I don't. I wouldn't say phenomenon, but great player, in uh, Mike Sellers joining us in just a few minutes. Well, eh, forty five minutes. Uh, so why don't we get into some football? And I, I will say this: the hotel. The whole Odell Beckham situation is, is, is a great story here in New York. It really is. And, and, and the thing is about Odell Beckham, what he brings to the table is he brings speed, he brings leadership, and he brings a demand at the wide receiver position. Now, over the last couple of years, the Giants have been trying to find a guy that fills in all those things – That you're looking for in a wide receiver. You lose Odell Beckham. You trade him away to the Browns. The Browns pick him up. Did he have a great career with the Browns? He had one good season with the Browns. And then he couldn't stay healthy. And then he goes to the LA Rams. And he wins a Super Bowl. Even though he he hurt himself in the Super Bowl. When I believe he would have been the MVP. Of that particular game last year. Against the Bengals. Odell Beckham gives them. That superstar feeling at that position. Now, is Odell Beckham the same player he was when he was drafted uh, seven, eight, nine years ago? He's not. And anybody that thinks that he is, they're crazy. But what Odell Beckham gives other wide receivers couldn't. They bring in Kenny Galladay. They gave him a huge contract, and that was Gettleman's fault. Just think, Gettleman traded Odell Beckham, their their superstar, f- for pieces. That really never worked out. None of those pieces ever worked out here in New York. None of them. Odell Beckham goes to the Browns. He then eventually goes to Rams and wins the Super Bowl. Now, if Odell Beckham was with the Giants all these years, do they win the Super Bowl? Probably not. But he gives them that weapon. That they they lost early this season in Shepard, who was playing well. He really was. Now he is not Odell Beckham, and nobody thinks that he is, but he he play he was playing fantastic in this offense. Kenny Galladay lost any opportunity to step on the field with this coaching staff because the guy isn't a hustler. He doesn't hustle. He hasn't hustled since his first two seasons with the Lions. Was overpaid. Because he had one good season in four. And he goes to the Giants. And the Giants practically begged him to sign that contract. And what has he given the Giants over the last three years as a New York Giant? I don't know. Less than 1,000 yards. And zero touchdowns. And zero touchdowns. That was a terrible contract by Gettleman. And probably lost him his job. But what we've seen under this coaching staff... And a great coach is a team that can run the ball. Can do the things that they need to do on the offensive line side of that line. Which has been very, very weak. And I'm talking and speaking about the right side. They added a, a tackle that has helped out. Even though he has been fighting injury all season. Now, he has not sat out. But he has been hurt. And that's what happens with a... A nine-week, ten-grueling week of football. What I like about the Giants and Odell Beckham and this fit is it brings momentum. It brings excitement. It brings them a star-wide receiver they've been missing since the beginning of the last four years. Now... I sit back and I I talk about Mara and Tish, and they're great owners, and everybody loves them because they've won four Super Bowls in 40 years, and fantastic, and they've had great players. And, you know, the Mara family have owned this team since the Giants were the Giants. But you have a superstar, and you trade a a superstar as good as Odell Beckham was for your team, Maybe because of his stupidity on the field and off the field. Who knows what it was. And then you have a, that super, that same superstar that wants to come back. He wants to be here. Who he wants to play for this organization. That says one thing and one thing only. Get it done. Do whatever it takes to bring this guy back to help this team this year. Because this year it's the, NF, the NFC is so wide open. It is so wide open. Watching Minnesota come back against the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Bills are not as good as everybody thinks they are. They're not. The Jets proved that the week before. The Minnesota Vikings proved that this week. And now obviously White's not playing yet and that's a a big piece to the puzzle if they have a chance to win a Super Bowl. When White comes back, that gives them a shutdown corner. How long is it going to take White to become that player he was before he got hurt. Maybe never again.
3: If at all, yeah, because that's a that's a injury now that's been almost a year and a half now, because he got hurt midway through the last season. So
1: he might never be that type of player ever again. But he could be. But it could take weeks, maybe till next year before he becomes that player again. And you see the weakness of this defense. It is the secondary. A hundred percent the secondary. And they can't stop the run. They have problems. The Jets proved it in the fourth quarter against the Buffalo Bills. They ran it up the gut. They made sure that they stretched that, that defensive line and made sure that they couldn't pass rush at Zach Wilson. The same thing happened in Min, against Minnesota. Same thing happened. What did Minnesota do? They ran the ball up the gut in the fourth quarter. They controlled the clock, and when they needed to throw the ball, and they needed to get the ball to Jefferson, they needed to get the ball to their tight end in Hawkinson and Thielen, they made sure they can get the ball to those guys. Because the secondary is weak in certain aspects. The Giants in the NFC East, it is so wide open. The Eagles lost their first game against the Commanders this past week against, yes, Henneke, not Carlson Wentz. And if Henneke doesn't win that job, obviously Carson Wentz comes back. It's a big, big mistake. I think the team believes in Henneke. You, you trust in the quarterback that you've had the last couple of weeks because he's given you a chance to win every single week for the last three weeks. And he's mocking now. He's mocking Kirk Cousins
3: now with his celebration,
1: his chain celebration. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the Giants could win. They, they could win the NFC this year. They could. Are they scared of Seattle? Look what Seattle did against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Germany. They laid up a lousy goose egg. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not a good team. They have a lot of weaknesses in our offensive line. There was no possible way that the Seattle Seahawks should have lost that game. Even against the great Tom Brady. Tom Brady has not been the same Tom Brady. Now, everybody says, well, look at his numbers. He's got over 2,500, 2,600 yards, and he has 12 touchdowns to two interceptions. He's still a fantastic quarterback. Numbers are deceiving when you look at what this team has put up in the last couple of weeks. And zeros. And what I mean by zeros is losses. Seattle should have won this week. So Seattle isn't as dominant as maybe we think that they are. They have weaknesses. And then we talk about and we speak about the 49ers. The 49ers won this week. Barely. They, they squirmed in the fourth quarter fourth quarter to come back in that game and win that game.
3: I was convinced Cliff Kingsbury was calling red
1: zone plays for the 49ers. <laughs> I mean, Seriously. They might have lost that game, and they have. Oh, I'm sorry. They have Debo Samuels, They have Mac. They have all these weapons now. Hayuk, Kittle's. That's healthy now. They're sitting. All, I'm sorry. They're sitting at the Golden State Warriors game, and Jimmy Garoppolo is worried about the cheerleaders walking up to him and smiling at them. Yeah. Meanwhile, the cheerleader should have been going after Chuck. I mean, seriously. You you look at everything that the Giants have stood for this year. And they have a new coach. And why not the Giants this year? I'm a Jet fan, so I'm not, uh, I, I'm not rooting for the Giants, guys. But why not the Giants? If they get Odell Beckham, they have a healthy Saquon Barkley, a beastly Saquon Barkley, who's really been the only one that's been playing at the top of his game for the last four weeks. He has been the reason, the only reason why this team is scoring. If they add Odell Beckham, does that make Daniel Jones better? I would think it does. Does this make the offensive line better? I think it does. Does it keep the defense off the field where they're not as tired as they were this week? I think it does. And does Dable dial up plays that he couldn't dial up before Odell Beckham? Absolutely. He is a weapon that could be used down the field in the slot. He is not the same Justin Jefferson type of player. No, he's not. But could this rejuvenate him into the player he once was when he was with the Giants and when he was the dominant force in the NFL? Maybe I, I really do believe it's me. If you're if you're a Giant fan, if he chooses the Giants, you should be very excited. If you even
3: get half of what Odell was, it's going to be a win for the giants because we've seen Brian Dable rebirth veteran wide receivers very well. When he was an offensive coordinator in Buffalo, John Brown coming from the Cardinals, all those injury riddled years had a great first year when he came to Buffalo in 2019, Emmanuel Sanders, they brought in for a short stint there. He looked good in his time in Buffalo. Cole Beasley looked good last year as a slot receiver in Buffalo. When everyone thought he was old and washed up from Dallas and now you're dealing with a case of Odell who's more skilled all around than all of those guys and now is more versatile is more versatile and now you have a guy that you can definitely maneuver in that system because you're right I have, I, Odell I think knows that He's going to be welcomed in by all these all these Giants fans, all this Giants team culture, because it was the it was Dave Gettleman and the coaching that was the main issue with them, too. And at the time when they traded him in 2019, I was saying, all right, if they're going to draft a rookie quarterback, which they ended up doing with Daniel Jones, you'd want to have a weapon like that for him. Daniel Jones has never had that kind of capable wide receiver at any at any magnitude. He had a, a fluke of a year of Darius Slate and Sterling Shepard's solid, but he's nothing really more than a slot receiver. Like, the Giants were always great at developing wide receivers before that, but they h- kind of hit a rough patch with that since they traded Odell. But
1: none of those guys ever turned into th- anyth- anything. I, I mean, Hakeem what? how how long did it take him to, obviously, uh, last in the NFL? I think it took him four years, five years he was yeah. gone. He was six years, and then he had a lot of hamstring issues towards the end of his career. Victor Cruz, what did he have? Four really good years? Right. A- and then he was gone out of the NFL. Yes, they've developed good wide receivers that— and, and and by the way, Hakeem Nix was a second round draft pick, so he he was a good pick, but was he a great pick? I I don't know. And Hakeem Nix obviously is in debt because he sold his Super Bowl ring. Right. And Victor Cruz, I mean, I love his commercials, I love his uh, you know his dancing, uh, his pachata, but he's not the he was not the same player after his third year. He was a fantastic. Wide receiver. So you say they were good at, you know, developing wide receivers. Amani Toomer was good, but he couldn't stay healthy. Right. But again, and and, and obviously Plaxico Boris, they made a trade for, well, they they signed him for Pittsburgh uh, when he became a free agent. That, I would say, but they they grabbed him from a very good Pittsburgh Steelers team. Right. No room for him at the time. But even so,
3: like in a league now that requires a lot more good wide receiver play, or even just a balanced core of wide receivers, the Giants have had trouble developing them from from a consistency basis. And as a result, they had to do what you said earlier, and Dave Gettleman decided to give Kenny Galladay $19 million, and all of a sudden everything went downhill. Odell Beckham
1: was the only star wide receiver that they developed. Right? They really developed. Victor Cruz, you want to say they developed him? I think Victor Cruz was an undrafted player that the Giants picked up and they got lucky with. It it, it really—it's the luck of the draw, and we've seen this before. We've seen running backs not get drafted, and they've come on stage. Uh, The Texans had one, if you remember, Marion Foster. Yeah, Marion Foster—he was a guy that was undrafted. There were a couple of teams interested in him. The Texans signed him, and then he became a superstar in the NFL. And for like five, six years, he was one of the top running backs in the NFL. Mm -hmm. But those are uh, hard to find. I mean, the Jets have found a couple of defensive linemen over the years. In uh, you know free agency or off of waivers because they never were drafted, so yeah, you could find those pieces. But the only wide receiver the Giants ever developed that became a superstar was Odell Beckham.
3: And again, you, in this kind of league now, where you need good wide receivers to make it work, whether you have a running running more of a running system or still more of a passing system, you still want to have those wide receivers to spread the defenses out and make you respect the passing game, the Giants still haven't been able to find a consistency of a core. Now, granted, their coaching didn't help either, and the offensive line play being as bad as it has been did not help either, but still... Darius Slayton's a fifth-round pick. You're not going to expect that much. Sterling Shepard was a second-round pick who was pretty good
1: at the time. But, again, he's older now.
3: Are you going to expect that much out of
1: him? I remember Giant fans were standing up that Darius Slayton was the next Odell Beckham.
3: Yeah. I thought that
1: was a joke. Yeah,
3: classic overreaction. For
1: years, I've been, for the last three or four years, oh, you watch, this guy's going to be as good as Odell Beckham. Yeah, he's fast. He made some good plays this year. He's made uh, some open Open field catches that uh, he's he's moved away from you know top end you know corners in the league. Yeah, he he's played well, but he's not Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham could change your offense. You saw what he did for the Rams last year in the playoffs, and then what he was doing in the in the Super Bowl. He had that touchdown, and then one bad I guess I I don't even know what cut he, he tore his ACL
3: again. Yeah, it was actually a very similar play to the one he got hurt on with the Giants too. Matthew Stafford just threw it behind him on a route inside, and Odell tried to really adjust for it and ended up hurt, uh, tearing his ACL at that point and was was done for that Super Bowl in the second quarter. After he had that great touchdown catch at the end of the first quarter of that Super Bowl, so he's definitely still capable of playing to at least half of what he was, and that's why I think it's really beneficial for the Giants to try to go after that. Again, Dallas is going to push hard because, you know, Jerry Jones, he's going to want to steal him from the Giants, if he thinks of anything that he's going to go for the Giants. But if he why goes would to the he, Giants... Why
1: would he go to the Cowboys? Now, I don't think he should, but I... Why would he go there? Now, does he think he has a better chance of winning? Uh, yeah. Now, the Giants and the Cowboys are very even. There's a, The Giants probably have the le- least amount of talent than the Cowboys. Yeah, for sure. But uh, because, obviously, Micah Parsons and maybe Vander Esch and and some of their uh, better young superstars that they have on that defensive line. But the Giants have a good defensive line as well. And offensively, are the Cowboys that much better than the Giants? First of all, the, the Cowboys, even with two running backs, Pollard and Zeke, they're not better than Saquon Barkley. They're not. Is Dak, is Dak better than... Um, uh, Jones, uh, yes, yeah. he is. Offensive line, I think the Giants have the better offensive line. And uh, wide receivers, they have C.D. Lamb. If the Giants get Odell Beckham, who has the better wide receivers?
3: <laughs> I, I mean, it's not—it's probably Dallas by a little, but it's not by much.
1: No, I, I think... I think Odell Beckham's just as good as C.D. Lamb.
3: I like C.D. Lamb. We'll see, we'll see how he comes back. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if he'll be as good as, as Lamb. Now He again, can catch, yeah. and yeah. if yeah. he can
1: run routes, he could he do all the things that C.D. Lamb
3: The X do. factor is, if you're judging those two receiving cores, is the consistency of somebody like Slayton. Because he has actually outplayed, in a limited sample, Michael Gallup so far. So that would be the number Slayton two. Slayton has
1: played well. Yeah. He really has. And Bellinger looks like a good player. He's a good tight end, a good young tight end. How does that make him better if they had Odell Beckham? Right. I mean, does that open up the field a little bit better for a Slayton and a Be- Bellinger? Right, because
3: Slayton was really the only deep threat on the team. Now does it help know.
1: Saquon Barkley because, obviously, he's been toasting uh, defensive lines and everybody knows they're running the ball. Right. Could you imagine if they have a weapon like Odell Beckham on the outside that could beat you in a slot, he could beat you on the outside? Maybe. I, I, if I was Beckham, I'd go back to the Giants. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm not trying to take shots at the Beev, who's probably pulling his hair out of his head right now. He was so upset about that Green Bay Packers game. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw on Facebook he was blaming the
3: referees. Hey, beef, Be- Hey, hey Beeve, I don't see you posting about how the Eagles got screwed by the referees. No, just the Cowboys.
1: It was the Waffle Wees.
3: <laughs> I love picking on them. Oh, yeah. If he he doesn't say the Eagles were screwed by the referees when when the Cowboys were allegedly were, the Eagles got screwed by two calls that were significantly worse than the alleged pass
1: interference. It's fun, and it's all in good fun, but yes, it wasn't the referees' fault. No. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I think when, when you look at both teams, the Giants, with their schedule and the way it's set up, the Giants have the best chance to have the better record. And if the Giants... If the Giants could... Contend with the Eagles. And that's going to be so very important moving forward. And they have the Eagles twice. Yeah. If they can beat the Eagles once. If they can beat the Eagles once. Now, the Giants have how many losses, Speedy? Yeah, right now the Giants are seven and two. Seven and two. And what is the Eagles record? Eight and one. Eight and one. If the Giants stay and they win this week and they beat a Lions team, that is not good. Okay? They're just not. And they did win the other day, and that's great. Congratulations to the Lions. Congratulations to Mr. Campbell, who's probably going to lose his job at yep. the end of the that's season. Right. John Jetson for Lions head coach. <laughs> there you go. I absolutely believe that if the Giants could beat the Lions, the Eagles have the Giants the week after. Right? I think the Giants play the Eagles. The it's week X.
3: 14 and 18, so it'd be three weeks. From three we- I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: Th- three weeks f- Two weeks after next week. Yeah, Giants play the Cowboys on Thanksgiving next week. <laughs> and I think the Giants could beat the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. They should have won the first game of that, uh, that meeting. Yeah. The Cowboys got very lucky in the fourth quarter. And, I'm, and again, I'm not taking shots at the Cowboys, ladies and gentlemen. I don't hate the Cowboys, and I don't like the Giants. The Giants should have won that game. It it really was very well coached by Dable in that game. It just it, it took the last seven, eight minutes of the game for the Cowboys to figure out, hey, you know what? We'll put CeeDee Lamb on the in the slant in, you know, in slant position, uh and and bring the wide receivers closer together and it'll, it'll, it'll evade the gaps. And that's what they did. Yeah, classic Mike McCarthy, take you forever to make adjustments. <laughs> As soon as he did that, it opened up, and C.D. Lamb scored. Made an unbelievable catch, but scored. Me- meanwhile, this week
3: he it up twenty-eight to fourteen, and it then was a f- it <laughs> was really
1: a field goal game.
3: Yeah. All the way into the fourth quarter. Remember, the Giants also had a field goal blocked in that game, yes, too. they which did. Which didn't help because then they, would have only, then they could have won with a touchdown, too. That could have changed a lot with the play calling, too. And, of course, the Giants had a couple defensive penalties, too, that hindered them. But, yeah, they definitely could have won that game. And what's going to be big for the Giants now is as well is getting all those divisional games. because They still got another one with Washington, too. So mm-hmm. two with the Eagles and another one with Washington and Dallas is going to be a lot to be able to judge for a it division makes, tiebreaker.
1: It makes a lot of sense for the New York Giants to go after Odell Beckham and for Odell Beckham to pick the Giants because he would be more beloved and loved by the fans here. Right. Because him stepping on that field with his you know dyed blonde hair, his cross earrings, yeah. and just him being Odell Beckham, you know, on the field the way he was all those years for the, for the New York Giants, I think it gives them that edge that they're going to need against the Eagles. The edge that they're going to need against the guy. Could you imagine? Odell Beckham comes back for Thanksgiving when they play the Cowboys. Ooh, yeah. Do does everybody remember that one arm one that one hand catch that changed Odell Beckham's career? Yep. Who was against? <laughs> the
3: Cowboys absolutely roasting Brandon Carr. And All of a sudden, that was the catch that changed his career at that point. Because, remember, he was the number 3 receiver. It took him a while to get to that top top spot. But once he he wasn't healthy. Yeah. Once he did, he took off from there. He uh, had—I think he had hamstring problems. At the beginning, yeah. He missed the first five games of that year. And everybody
1: said, oh, here here comes the bust. Here comes the bust. Ah, Keem point 2.0, they were saying. Yep. And then what happens? It was a Sunday night against the Cowboys. And I remember it like it was yesterday. Mm Mm-hmm. When he made that catch, and Chris Collinsworth went crazy, saying that was the craziest, most unbelievable catch he's ever seen. And it will be remembered forever. And it changed Odell Beckham's career. It became, he became a superstar overnight.
3: Mm-hmm. Look and at, Look at how many receivers now try to do that now because of him. Yeah. Like younger receivers.
1: Could you imagine Odell Beckham comes back in his first game Thanksgiving night? against the Dallas Cowboys, the same Cowboys team he made that one-handed catch against. It would be fantastic. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It would be something to remember. And he will be back probably in the next week or so. They're they're saying that he should be able to make a decision – in the next coming days.
3: Mm-hmm. He was cleared to work out last week. And mm-hmm. obviously he's not with a team yet. So he's not going to be specifically doing team drills and stuff like that. But <laughs> yeah, he is healthier now where that kind of thing can happen within the next week. <coughs> obviously Thanksgiving. He like, won't play this week. Right. But next week, I think it. Yeah. Depending on how fast he signs, they, they still could have him for a Thanksgiving. Giants, and it could, be, it could be the Giants or the Cowboys. that
1: right. He could be playing his old <laughs> team or he could be playing for his new team. So I, I it, it's crazy that this is is being talked about and spoken about, you know, as quick as it has. Right. I, I think it's a very exciting story, and if if you're a Giant fan, you only hope that he chooses the Giants.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. Because again, you're gonna get the uh, you're gonna get the opportunity to be a number one receiver more too, and rejuvenate your career. And that's the biggest thing with Odell later in his career too, because. Uh, When you look at a case of he's won his Super Bowl already. Mm -hmm. So he obviously didn't play the whole game because he got hurt with the Rams. But you're going to get a number one receiver opportunity with the Giants versus a number two with the Cowboys. And also a a probably more stable coaching right now. Mike McCarthy's. Coached well, but we've heard his rumors on the hot seat all, all this time. Is he going to last that long? Jerry Jones has his ego too. I know you were thinking he might have been fired at the end of this year. I don't know if that's happening now, but no,
1: McCarthy's not getting fired. Not anymore. Not not the season they're having right now. Nobody thought that the Cowboys were going was going to have a record that they have right now. They lost so many pieces in the off season, especially on the offensive line, and, and they've played miraculously with a backup quarterback. Right. So no. McCarthy is not getting fired at the end of the season. They might extend him now at the end of the season because of the season that he's having right now. And they're making the playoffs. The Cowboys would have to absolutely bomb this year not to make the playoffs. So, and, it, and as crazy as it may seem, the Commanders could make the playoffs. All four of those teams could make the playoffs. Yeah. As crazy as it, it, it sounds, you look at right now the Giants. The Giants right now are 7-2. and two. The Eagles are eight and one. The Cowboys are five and four, right? They are six and six, three. Six and three. I'm sorry. Yep. And then you have uh, four. F- 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 no, they're five and four. Five and five are the Commanders. So the Commanders right? I mean, are five and five. I'm, I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, so the, the Commanders bottom. are five and five. With the NFC as bad as it is, all four teams can make the playoffs. All four of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's the crazy thing. And honestly. Out of all four of them, the Eagles are the best as far as talent is concerned. But who do I think could come out if they get Odell Beckham out of that division and and win the whole thing out of that division? It's the Giants. It it's crazy because I th- I trust Dable out of all the coaches in that division. I do not, I do not trust Ron Rivera, I do not trust McCarthy. I and, and obviously uh, Sirianna, I I I. I I don't know much about him. I saw what they did in the, the playoffs last year. I, I don't know if he he's capable of winning all the way through the playoffs, all the way to the NFC, NFC title game. Dable, there's just something about him, his personality, his 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 belief in his players and his team and his offense. I, I really do believe that if they had a weapon like Odell Beckham, watch out. Watch out. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, just, to, just to
3: let you know, uh, Mike, unfortunately, will not be joining us tonight. He's actually at the hospital with his father. Oh,
1: man. Yeah. I'm sorry, Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll get Mike on another time. Yeah. Uh, you'll reach out to him. I yep. want to give a shout-out to him and his family. Hopefully his father is okay. That's horrible. Yeah. I, it's been a horrible week. Yeah. I mean, I lost my aunt. I, I have a friend that lost a, a family member. So it, it's just – it's crazy. It's crazy, and it just shows you how important life is and, and and to live your life to the fullest. And don't worry about the things that you can't change because eventually, you know, it could be your time. God be, could be calling on you. So uh, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, Mike Sellers uh, and his father, his father's okay. So yes, shout out to uh, his father, Mr. Sellers, and and Mike and family. Hopefully, he's okay. The Raiders... Say they will not fire Josh McDaniels amid the 2-7 and start. I believe they're not going to fire him now. Why would they fire him in the middle of the season? They surprised the world when they made this move to bring in Josh McDaniels. Nobody in their wildest dreams thought they were going to do that. Their coach took him all the way into the playoffs last year. And they decided to part ways with him, which a lot of people were surprised There were other coaches that a lot of people believed fit better with this organization. They brought in the big name. The guy that really did not produce in Denver. And he got fired pretty fast. He's the one that drafted
3: Tim Tebow, by the way. His first six games of his coaching career, Mm 6-0. Since then... Seven and twenty-four, among the the Broncos tenure and now this Raiders tenure, so they're two and seven right now, and I've already blown, blown three double-digit I lists don't care
1: how many Super Bowls he's won as an offensive coordinator, because he didn't win them. Bill Belichick won those. Tom Brady won those. That had nothing to do with him. When you have a quarterback as good as Tom Brady, and you have a coach as good as Bill Belichick, it hides away the deficiencies you are as a coach. This is his second team in about 10 years. And he was there with the Broncos for one. He could honestly be with the Raiders for one, one year. I honestly believe that if he loses this job at the end of this season, he will never get a coaching job again. Nor should he. Because how do you bring in a coach that, to me, is probably the best offensive coordinator we've seen in a very long time? Since Andy Reid as an offensive coordinator. This guy is a great offensive mind. It Doesn't show with the, the Las Vegas Raiders, but it did show, even with Mac Jones last year. Mac Jones was a better quarterback last year when Josh McDaniels was there. It's a fact. Mac Jones was the rookie MVP in my eyes. Offensive rookie of the year. I I do believe that. They gave it to Jamar Chase. I understand he had a 1,600-yard season. But the quarterback position is harder to play. And he took that team all the way to the playoffs against the Buffalo Bills. And he got knocked out uh, against a team that was just better than they were. But Mac Jones had a great season last year. And that had a lot to do, maybe, with Josh McDaniels. And maybe that's what won him... That job in Las Vegas. And maybe Davis and Davis' family thought, hey, you know what? If he could do with Mac Jones, he can make Derek Carr become a super superstar. Because he was he's one of the top eight, top nine quarterbacks in the NFL. If you look at Derek Carr's numbers right now from last year, they're worse. Now, he doesn't have bad numbers. You see, amongst the league's. Top 12, top 13 quarterbacks? Yeah. Last year's numbers at this time were better than they are this year. And he didn't have Adams. He didn't have Adams, Waller, Renfro, and Jacobs healthy. He didn't have those weapons. And the defense was much better last year than they were this year. That has a lot to do with coaching. That has a lot to do with believing in what this team believes in now that Josh McDaniels is there. So you sit back and you wonder, you you look at their record and and they're in a division that was supposed to be the world's best division we've seen in the last 20 years.
3: And two bad coaches come and all of a sudden the Broncos and the Raiders look like trash.
1: The Broncos might be looking for a new coach. Maybe they can flip-flop it again. Maybe Josh oh McDaniels <laughs> goes back to the Broncos. Oh, God. We need, we need a live reaction of uh, Lance Sanderson. If that that I won't ever happen. Never happen but <laughs> I know. He'd
3: have a heart attack if Josh McDaniels ever set foot near at the Broncos again.
1: Josh McDaniels will go back to the New England Patriots, and they'll actually have a real offensive coordinator because whatever they have over there just isn't working. Oh, you don't love the uh, Matt Patricia Joe Judge tandem? I don't think they love it either. Look at their <laughs> offensive style of, and look at their record. I mean, with that offense, it's been horrible. They're one of the worst offenses in the NFL. Yeah, they have the great. They have a great running game. They do. They have a great tandem. Really, maybe I guess you can you can call them a three headed monster. But if teams figure that out and they know how to stop it, what are they doing? They have no weapons out there, Parker. Parker was a decent wide receiver from Miami. He couldn't stay healthy. Jacoby Myers, give me a break. I mean, they're a better law, law firm than they are as a player. Okay, I, I just, I, I don't know where they're going to have the offense. Where are they going to get their offense this week against the Jets? Because you know, and I know, the Jets are not going into this game expecting to lose. And we'll get into the Jets a little bit later in the show. But I, I will say this. You sit back and you, you wonder what the Davis family is saying. I would have fired this guy. Yeah, I'd fire him. What are they doing? I was just hoping they would fire
3: him just for the hilarity of all of it.
1: They're not making the playoffs. <laughs> At a 2-7 two, two and seven record right now, going into their 10th game, they're done. They're not making it. The, the AFC now, it, it's really between four teams for the final three spots. That's it. I, I don't think there's any other team that is going. I mean, the Broncos aren't catching up. No, the Pittsburgh Steelers, even though they won this week, it would be a miracle if they catch up. The Browns, if they win, if if Deshaun Watson comes back and just wins every single game, maybe.
3: Yeah, they need a hot streak. They need to be maybe like the twenty sixteen Packers will just have some insane hot streak. But yeah, really, it's everything is set. You're just trying to figure out the order. It's
1: either Chargers, Bengals, Patriots. Yeah, Chargers, Bengals, Chargers, Bengals, Patriots, Miami Jets. Yeah. Those are the teams. And the Patriots are probably not going to make it. I think they're going to fall out. Yeah. So it's really just the Chargers, the Bengals, the Jets, and the Miami Dolphins. And one, three of those teams are going to win those spots. Three out of the four teams are going to win that spot. Yeah. Those spots. And it, it's going to come down to the, the, the end of the season. And whoever gets to 10 first or the, the teams that get to 10 first are probably going to win that spot.
3: And it's going to come down to the division tiebreaker.
1: I too. believe one will have nine wins.
3: Mm.
1: One. Yeah, it,
3: probably, because you're going to eventually cancel each other out at some point when you get more of the division games. But it's, those division games are going to come down to a lot of it, too, because guess who's 0 and 2 in division play right now? The Bills. That's why they're third place right now in the AFCs.
1: <laughs> and the Bills might be fighting for that final those final spots because the Jets could take. If the Jets win this week, if the Jets win this week, the Jets would take over full. Custody. Miami has their bye week this week. Right. So the Jets would take full custody of first place over from the Buffalo Bills mm-hmm. if they beat the Patriots this week.
3: And then Miami becomes the second wild card. Second wild, wild card. card and then
1: Buffalo will be the third
3: wild card. Yep. And then – or no, Miami would be the first wild card. Right. Buffalo will be the, the second, second. Yes. And then the char- either the Chargers, Bengals, Patriots, whoever has that tiebreaker at the Who would have thought that? Third, yeah.
1: I mean – it, going into week 11, the Jets would be the number one seed in the AFC against the Super Bowl, uh, the Super Bowl contender, the, the, the Super Bowl team that everybody thinks is going to win the Super Bowl this year, the Buffalo Bills. And, and I think a lot of teams are figuring them out. They can't run the ball. They had a chance to get Christian McCaffrey. They decided not to do it. They decided not to pull the trigger because of really what the 49ers, 49ers offered right. the, the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. A significant overload for a guy, yes, he's fantastic. He's a great player if he stays healthy. And is that the missing piece that's going to take him to the promised land? Who knows? They barely won last, uh, this past week.
3: Yeah, red zone offense was god-awful.
1: They barely won. The teams that showed up this week, Minnesota, and I was surprised because, honestly, I think the Minnesota Vikings are overrated. I, I don't think they're any good. I, the one thing I could say about Minnesota, they never say die. They have weapons that can bring them back in the game. They have Cooks. Uh, they have David Cook. They have, um, obviously, they have Thielen. They have now uh, TJ Hawkinson. And then, obviously, the beast of the East, uh, Mr. Jefferson, who seems to see the ball 15 to 20 times a game. I don't know. That game, he might have earned that one. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous how many times he sees the ball. And, and, and you, you see Kirk Cousins force f- feeds him. He forces it in there. If he di- and I'm going to tell you this, and I'm not saying this because I'm a Jeff fan. If he tries to do that against the Jets, it's not going to work. No, the game plan has to be different. The it Jets. has to be. They cannot do what they have been doing. You saw what the Eagles did when they kept force feeding him. Yeah. The Eagles completely dominated it. They took Jefferson out of the game, two interceptions, and that's it. The, the Jets are a different beast. They have two talented corners that can take the ball away from you. Yeah, If they're going to attack the same
3: way they did against the Bills, it'll be very hard for them to win. Because even if Jefferson does win the one-on-one battles, it's going to be hard for their team offense to be that same level of operation because the Jets are a lot healthier on defense. But I'm not saying this because I'm
1: a Jet fan. We, we've seen this.
3: Yeah, the Jets are a lot healthier on defense and much more deeper in their secondary than the Bills are. So that kind of approach is going to, have to be very hard. You can't even throw it in the slot because they have a top 14 corner in that position too and Michael Carter. But what they're going to have to do probably is they're either going to have to make Thielen a big slot receiver and try to make that kind of thing work, or Hawkinson's going to have to be a lot more used in that in that role, because Carter
1: has been very good against speedy slot guys. So It'll be interesting, and uh, the Vikings are playing good football. They've won seven games in a row, and, and they've been unstoppable, and they beat the Buffalo Bills. They did. They came back. They won uh, the way they did in overtime. Fantastic. The Jets flat out beat the Buffalo Bills the week before that. Yep. They flat out beat them. They outplayed them in four quarters. If the, if the Minnesota Vikings play, play from behind against the Jets, they will not win. And, and I'm not taking shots at the Minnesota Vikings. I think they're a fantastic team. They are. And we got to get What's-His-Name-Again on yeah. before the game. That's right. <laughs> I think it'll be really, really fun to get him on and, and, and hear what his thoughts are because I know he didn't think the Jets were going to be no, this No, he didn't. So and I, I think he's going to be really worried about that game. I really do, because if the Jets go into that game as the number one seed in the AFC East, boy, oh boy, that's going to be a fun game to watch. Mm -hmm. That will really be a fun game to watch, and that's, I think, in week Twelve. It's it's in two weeks. That was supposed to be our alleged like Minnesota road trip. We we're gonna go see him. Maybe and... we maybe we could do that.
3: Maybe we could do that. I on guess. The weekend. You, I guess that you're not going to the World Cup. I guess we could.
1: But... Maybe we could fly over there to Minnesota. We, we're gonna have to find lodging, but we have to ask our our friend over there if he he'd allow <laughs> us to do something over there in Minnesota. But it'd be fun. That'll be a fun uh, banter of trash talking. Maybe we'll get some <laughs> good tickets. Maybe we'll get up some good tickets. Yeah, that would be nice. We we'll have to speak to him. But uh yeah I I it's it, it's going to be fun because if the Jets win this week they are the number 1 seed in the AFC East. That means Minnesota versus the Jets in week number 12 for all the marvels because right now I, I I as good as Minnesota is they're def- they have a lot of deficiencies. Their their defense is not as good as people think it is. And I think that the Jets could be able to beat them by running the ball. They've had problems stopping the run; they have, especially on the outside. Not really up the, the up the middle. It's the outside running that they have, and the Jets have that in Michael Carter. So it, it it's going to be very and Robinson having another week, having the bye week to learn the offense in the playbook even more this week. James Robertson could be different too. So and he wasn't healthy when he when he had that touchdown last week and the week before, and, and, and ran 57 yards, 60 yards. So it, it could be a different James Robinson. It could be a different Jets offense. So, I mean, going back to the Raiders, I think the if I were the Raiders, I think the Raiders need to decide on what's right for the organization. And, and right now, this organization's going downhill. I think Derek Carr, and I, I will say this, I'm trying to be nice about it, if this team is falling apart right now, and, and it looks this bad, I think they need to decide what they're going to do with Derek Carr in the offseason. And everybody's going to say, well, you brought Adams there. And I, I want to give a shout-out to Derek Carr because it's not his fault. At the end of the game, after the game, h- him being as upset as he was, saying that he didn't he didn't see this team being this bad and and not playing as good as he thought this team should have been playing, even in, in this, past, this past week, you could see how upset he really is. And it, he he puts his heart and soul into their training and their practices going into the game. But this team is missing something. It's I don't even think it's coaching. I think it's hard. And Adams, I think he's a fantastic talent. He really is a fantastic, fantastic player. But let's be honest, this man is not a team player. He's not. Because if he was a team player, he would have, ba- he would have went back to the Green Bay Packers. And also, he's been bad in the second half of this year. A lot of his stats have come in the first half. I mean, he's making the most money out of any wide receivers in the NFL right now. He is making a killing. He's making, I think, 24 or 23 million dollars a year. No, it's more. It's 28. I'm sorry. 28. Ty- Tyreek Hill Hill's the only one bigger right now. <laughs> All right. So he's making 28 million dollars a year and his numbers aren't producing. Now, he wanted to play with his best friend, Derek Carr, where he played in college with. It's not working. Yep. And obviously, he obviously knows now Derek Carr isn't Aaron Rodgers. Let's be honest. I mean, look what Christian Watson did this week. And this is a rookie. Could you imagine another year playing with Aaron Rodgers how good Christian Watson's going to be? I mean, he's one of the fastest players in the game right now. He's Tyreek Hill fast. And that's crazy to say that, but he is. And he could go out there and catch the ball. If he figured that out this past week... Watch out for the Green Bay Packers. I'm telling you, Green Bay is not dead. Not in the NFC. And it, they, they need that weapon. They need to find that guy that's going to be their go-to guy. If it is Christian Watson, we, we all thought he was going to be a good player. A lot of experts thought it was going to take a little while for him to figure it out. He he was very raw. But maybe playing with Aaron Rodgers, he, he figured it out. Devante Adams this year has 784 receiving
3: yards, eight touchdowns on the season, which is still six in the league, but most of it has come in the first half of games and his consistency really hasn't been as good as expected as well. He's got a uh, 90.2 yards per game when he is targeted. He's obviously targeted the most. And you're dealing with a case, too, where you were talking about it with the Vikings. Sometimes mm-hmm. Derek Carr has been a little too trigger-happy with just trying to force it to Adams at certain times in the game. And it really hasn't gotten the other receivers involved. But I also think a lot of that, too, is on the coaching. Because Josh McDaniels prides himself coming from the Patriots. The Patriots, they spread the ball around all the time. They use the slot areas very well. Where are all these other other, other guys? Now, granted, Renfro was hurt. Maybe he could have been a guy to emerge in that system, I don't know. But Matt Collins was playing well in the beginning of the season. What happened to him? Darren Waller, Foster Moreau, they got a depth of the tight ends. Pass-catching running backs, where were all of them? I think a lot of that is on Josh McDaniels,
1: even more so. Got breaking news. Oh,
3: breaking news. Breaking news.
1: Justin Verlander wins his third American League Cy Young Award. There you go. So it is Justin Verlander, 18-4, 1.75 ERA, one under a whip. So there you go. So I said before the show was over that we're going to hear the American League Cy Young winner. And now we know. Yep. So Congratulations yeah, to Justin definitely, early. He
3: definitely deserved that mm-hmm. one. But
1: uh, going back to the Raiders,
3: yeah, it just seems like even though the numbers might still show good things for Adams, it doesn't really show the consistency as far as Derek Carr. Yeah, it's definitely a drop-off from last year. This year, uh, last year he had forty eight over 4,800 yards passing. This year, just 2,128 yards. And again, a good percentage of that. Is going to Devontae Adams, 13 touchdowns, five interceptions. And yeah, the effort is still being there for him. The offensive line's still not great. But again, the team as a whole just really isn't a mess. and It goes back to what a lot of people have been saying about these new cities, these big cities, Las Vegas. They want everything bigger, bigger name in Las Vegas. And maybe that's hindered the way this team was naturally supposed to grow because they were developing players nicely after that bad 2020 draft. They had a much better 2021 draft. They yep. were developing it nicely. We were talking about how much better their defense got. 100% then all of a sudden, better. And then all of a sudden they purged that whole coaching staff.
1: John Gruden. And that had a lot to do with, I don't know, uh our friend over there in Schneider. Yeah. So it didn't work out, and John Gruden's gone. And, and this, th- this team was transforming into that top-end AFC team. I really think that another year under John Gruden, they're a Super Bowl contender. I, I really do believe that. And unfortunately, uh, that story came out. He gets fired, and this team has fallen apart. This is not the same team that John Gruden built. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge problem. I mean, he's the one who found Crosby. He did. Right. The front pick. Yeah. So he's the one that found a lot of these players that became big pieces to the puzzle of what they believe the Raiders and, and Raiders football was going to be when John Gruden was there. And it just hasn't been. He's the one who found Waller. From the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah,
3: that was probably the most random one of all, because he was dealing with all those drug issues off the field, too. Was a he was like, who's this guy? Yeah, it was a 2016 undrafted player that the Ravens had in that
1: crowded tight end room at that time. And
3: all of a sudden, he rebirths himself. And all of a sudden, with the
1: Raiders, he's I mean, going off. I mean, John Gruden has an eye of talent. Yeah. And, and we've seen this before. And, and every single one of those guys, besides Crosby, have fallen apart ever since he's been gone. Yeah, but even so, like even after He drafted Renfro. Yeah, even after
3: that the after whole that whole issue last year, even the coaching staff after that, too, they were still rallying around that that adversity and overcoming it. And you would think it's like a good storyline
1: to create. No, they just purge everything again. Renfro was one of the best slot receivers in the NFL last year. Yep. Go look at his numbers this year under Josh McDaniels. Yep. Go look at his numbers. They're horrible. Mm-hmm. And that has a lot to do with coaching. How do you lose one of the most dynamic players at his position in one season? And that has a lot to do with Josh McDaniels. And I want to hear this crap because guess what? What were the uh, the New England Patriots known for? Slot receivers. Slot receivers, short passes, and that's what they were dynamic in. That's how Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, all those guys, slot receivers. Short passes, let the speed beat you. What is Renfro? The same position. And that has a lot to do with Adams because they keep force-feeding him because they want him to be happy, because they paid him. And Derek Carr, for some reason, has a love fest for this guy.
3: Mm -hmm. And it's also a case of the egos taking over, too, within both McDaniels and also this organization. I mentioned it with the cities. How many times have we seen the Dolphins do this when they – bring in a new coach and they bring in all these flashy free agents and it didn't work for them. And then they have to recycle. Now they have a little more stability with a coach and young players that are actually working. And they just trade for Bradley Chubb, but the Raiders kind of went down that same kind of road too. And it looked like they finally had something and they, yep. and they fl- flip it away just because they want to be at this flashy new city. Look at the two LA teams, the chargers, when they moved to LA, they announced they moved to LA. They didn't, Deviate away from what they were doing. They were rebuilding at the time. They yep. developed a nice team. Granted, they're all hurt this year. Fine, but they drafted well, developed a nice team. They kept and they, tr- and they traded away pieces to make their team as talented as they were, mm-hmm. and they kept most of those players. And they are still now have been able to build a pretty good
1: roster that, when healthy, is by the way, what happened top to six both? roster in the league? What happened to both those LA teams? Obviously, the Chargers with injuries and the LA Rams. They they were so good last year, and yes, they lost Von Miller. He goes to the Buffalo Bills. Von Miller's having a decent season. Is is he having a a, All Pro season? He's not. He's not that big of a loss when you bring in Wagner, and you still have Jalen Ramsey and and Aaron Donald. They get Leonard Floyd. They Aaron Donald got that extension this offseason. A lot of people thought he was going to retire. And then what happens this year? And don't give me this whole thing, well, they don't have enough weapons. They added Allen Robinson. They brought in Allen Robinson. I thought was a a huge fit, a great fit on the other side. You don't need Odell Beckham. My thing is, is Odell Beckham that much better than Allen Robinson? The answer is probably no. But they've not used Allen Robinson this year. Maybe it's Matthew Stafford's arm. Maybe it really is as bad as they said it was. But Cooper Cup now he's out with a high ankle sprain. What is this team? This team's not making the playoffs. It's an absolute bust. They gave Wagner all that money. They gave Allen Robinson all that money. And they're going to go into the offseason with no draft picks, no future, with a quarterback that looks like he's falling apart, which, by the way, they have to extend his contract at the end of this season. I don't know if they do.
3: Yeah, and again, it's going to be very tough for them to trust Maybe Maybe go after Lamar Jackson? Who knows? I Maybe
1: mean, yeah. that might be a better idea for them. Yeah, the, at least the Rams, of what you've
3: seen since they've moved to L.A., have at least operated when it comes to stability within schemes and coaching that have been able to aid those issues. Because, yeah, any other – a lot of these other teams might have not been able to operate the way Les Snead's been operating because even when he first – when they first moved to L.A. and Jeff Fisher got fired, they traded away a lot of those defensive players that he drafted, replaced them with newer ones. They brought in Tlaib. They brought in Marcus Peters at that time. Uh, Eric Weddle came in later. Like they, they brought in all these new free agents and got it to fit in that system because they still kept a lot of those other pieces intact. We haven't seen that kind of thing yet with the Raiders work on a consistent basis because they, don't, they keep switching GMs. They keep switching coaches that don't stick to anything, and they just want a flashy new thing. Yes, Devontae Adams... Numbers-wise, it's been good, but again, he still brings somewhat of an ego, too, and you have to Ugh. learn how to manage that. And Josh McDaniels is not the guy to manage that. The
1: NFL PA president, J.C. Tretter, sends two letters to the NFL legal office petitioning to ban turf fields. I, I, I will say this. Odell Beckham, I, 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 I spoke about this in the beginning of the show. He has been complaining about this. After Sterling Shepard went down this year, he, he went to... Obviously the press and he went through different magazines and he said that the NFL players should petition on on trying to fight and turning this back into grass. There are less knee problems, less hamstring problems, and ankle problems with grass than there is with turf. I'm going to tell you why the NFLPA will not change this. There is a lot of money that's invested into these players. And everybody's going to say, well, then change it into grass to change all the fields. There's only two fields now, I think, in the NFL that uses grass. The rest, turf. Soldier Field in Chicago and then FedEx Field in Washington, which
3: I wouldn't know if I've leveraged
1: that as a great argument. That means there are 30 other different fields that we need to transform their turf into real grass. That cost a lot of money. Plus, you got to pay for uh, obviously getting it cut and keeping it healthy. It, it, it's so expensive. You could see, it's very expensive. And with, with all the money and everybody's going to say, well, the TV deals and the, the money that you have to pay for, obviously food and jerseys and, and all that different stuff and memorabilia, that they, they can find a way to, you know, fix that cost and make it better. I don't know if the NFL PA is going to agree to this. Now, if they do, good for the the NFL players. I I think it benefits. But you know what the PA, you know what the ownership is going to say. Your players, you're making a lot of money. Go out there and play. We're paying you a lot of money. You shouldn't be complaining about the grass turf. You guys are out there to play. Put up numbers. That's what we're paying you for. Stop complaining. So unless they take less money and they say, listen... Odell Beckham goes out there and say, I'll take I'll take eight million instead of twelve million. So you could do this. Uh, if every player on each team does that, maybe they do it. There is no way. There is no way ownership is going to agree this. Yeah, this is gonna be a long operation
3: if they do end up getting this to work <laughs> just because of the nature of The fact that there's a lot of multi-purpose facilities now with these newer stadiums. SoFi Stadium, for example, in L.A. isn't just for football teams. They Mm -hmm. have a lot of entertainment stuff there, Soccer. Yep. Same kind of thing with Atlanta's new stadium. They deal a lot with college football, and they have to change the field and the turf
1: specifically for that, too. By the way, a lot of soccer fields are now turf as well, Yep.
3: which also Atlanta does as well. Atlanta FC plays there as Mm -hmm. well. And that was actually one of the things that uh, Broncos kicker Brandon McManus was complaining about. In this article, it says he was complaining about how a lot of these NFL stadiums are going to change it to grass for the World Cup when the U.S. hosts the World Cup in 2026, but they're not going to, they aren't willing to do it to change it for the NFL players, which is he found very bizarre in that case. But again, I think there's only certain stadiums
1: that could do it. Now, Denver, I think, definitely can because why not- is Br- why is McManus speaking? He's a kicker. He is not a running back. He is not a wide receiver. He's not a corner. He's not a guy that plays in a position that defines running and hurting his knee. He is a kicker, ladies and gentlemen. But he is speaking for the NFL players. Hmm. I, I don't understand that. Well, why are you complaining? Just kick the damn ball.
3: Well, he wasn't the only one. There was Cooper who, like you said, just got hurt. So probably, wide receiver, yeah. Probably just not enough out for the season. Nick Bosa was another one. High ankle sprain, I don't think. Cooper, uh, Cooper Cup
1: will be out for the rest of the season. I, I mean, think he'll man, be If there. the Rams
3: are out of it, they might just hold him out they for the might. Rest of the season.
1: They might. They might, but maybe they're not. Maybe they win a couple of games without him. I don't know. Maybe they, they, they finally get Allen Robinson playing because Odell Beckham is not going to the Rams. Everybody thought it was no. a, a foregone conclusion that's where he was going. And then Von Miller thought it was a foregone conclusion he was going to Buffalo that wasn't happening. And then there was a foregone conclusion like a week later he was going to the Chiefs. I, the other one. Nah, I mean, obviously, that's not happening because there uh, you know, the, uh, was another Giant that went over there. Yeah, and he scored a touchdown. I saw him toe into the end zone. Which I knew it was going to happen. And that kid, when he figures things out over there, forget it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is going to be a star over there. Uh, you know, the Chief fans are going to love him over there. He, the only thing that worries me about him is on and off the field. Right. He, he's not – he is – I wouldn't say he... Odell Beckham wasn't bad off the field. He was bad on the field. He did stupid things on the field that pissed people off. Uh, this kid has done things off the field that make you shake your head. Mm-hmm. I mean, the stupid things that he says. and um, Even, uh, you know, he's not a team player in some in some ways. I think that's why right. Dable just decided that he wanted to part ways with him. Because he, he wants team players. Yeah. And Odell Beckham, he's become more of a team player, I think, when he went to the Rams. I think he realized... To, to win, you have to be a team player because you can have all these stars on one team. If you don't work together, you're not going to win. Yeah, like the team he got traded to, the 2019 Browns. How much hype did they have? And they missed the playoffs. Well, they year. were just uh, – they had a lot of talent over there, but they weren't playing for each other. They were playing for themselves. So. Yeah, and they were also coaching for the kitchens. And that's, happened right now. that's happening right now with the Browns to this day. They're playing for for themselves, not for each other. Well, yeah. And, <laughs> and they're hoping that Deshaun Watson comes back, which – it might not be this year, but watch out next year with Deshaun Watson. That team's going to be really good. Well, he should.
3: Yeah, he should. He should play. Obviously, at the end of the season when he does come back, at least some games. But what
1: we'll is see. it? What is the record right now? The three and six. They're three and six. They yeah. have one more game without him. They have to win this week for them to have any chance of making the playoffs. Because then he comes back and they play five games. He right. He has to win all five of those games, which they still have—the Ravens and Bengals, which still could be hard too, with him. So I think they could beat him, maybe. maybe, But again, it's it's not going to be like a cakewalk. They have a a good
3: schedule right there. They have
1: a good defense, and they have obviously deficiencies on that offensive line because of injury. Right. He hides those deficiencies because of his speed and his ability to move inside and out of that pocket and make those throws. That's why I think if they can win this week. They can win six games in a row. Absolutely. And 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 then if they sneak into the playoffs, they would be a very scary team. They would because they have the defense, they have the pass rush, and they have the cornerback the, the positioning players uh, when healthy to compete against those top end, top, you know, dominant offenses. So I, it could happen. I don't think it will this year. No, I think it would take a lot just because there's a lot. Because of-, of the Jets, what they're doing and – uh, what the Miami Dolphins are doing? I just nobody thought that these two teams, and everybody thought, hey, the Broncos could be good. The, char- char- the Chargers were going to be better. People thought that the Chargers were going to have eight wins. I thought the Chargers were definitely winning the division this year with the web. And everybody's going to say, well, the injuries. It's. I don't want to hear it anymore. Injuries happen every single year. Ask the Jets. Okay, ask them. They lost their best offensive lineman, probably one of the top three offensive linemen in football, to uh, an elbow injury, Elijah Vera Tucker, and then they lost their best running back, their best offensive option, in the same game, to a tear, a torn ACL, and they lost George Font for significant, and Max Mitchell, and all these, and they're gluing things together, okay, and they're still winning that is a sign of a good team when you and and I'm not saying this we've never seen this with the jets they the, as soon as they lose their top even with the rex ryan era hmm. rex ryan snuck into the playoffs he did cuz teams can practically you ask the ask the indianapolis colts the only reason why the first year rex ryan and the jets made it to the playoffs when they went to the afc title game the first time was because Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts gave the final game to the Jets. Yeah, Curtis Painter starting a quarterback. <laughs> they gave it, they gave it to him, mm-hmm. and that's what made the Jets make the playoffs. And then the Jets made that run, and they they were a lot better than people thought they were going to be. But that's what happens when you get hot in the playoffs and you you, you gain momentum. This team's better than that. That this team is better than any of those Jet teams. Yeah, and to me. The, what makes them scary, it, it, and, and those Jet teams had Darrell, Revis, and McC- uh, and Cromartie. They have a young team that's not afraid of anything. They're not afraid of going out there and playing against the top teams in the NFL. Because in their mind, they could beat any one of them. So a confidence like that tells them, okay, we're playing Buffalo. We're playing Kansas City and Kansas City. We'll play whoever we need to play. We're going to beat them. We're better than they are. We're younger, we're faster, we're hungrier. And when you have a team like that, ask Robert Sala. He did it with the 49ers in that defense. When you can make them believe that, that's what makes them scary. It's not the talent. And they have talent. We all know that. It's not the talent. What makes them scary is they believe that they're better than everybody else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Adver- they really do believe it. Adversity factor is always the
3: biggest key when judging the teams that are breakthrough or lesser known or young. And that's what the Jets have had right now this season. That's what Miami's had this season. Seattle? That's what Seattle's had this season. And that's actually one of the things that might be harder for a team like Buffalo. Because Buffalo really hasn't faced the adversity. They're a veteran team. Yeah. They but are. still, like everything's against them and they found a way to mess it up somehow, or they overthink it. They, they the bills have been very talent driven, but when it comes to close games, when it comes to facing adversity like that, they haven't done well with it. And that's why what, that's what something that could hurt them in the playoffs. That's what hurt them last year. They were zero five and one possession games last year. Look at the, obviously the chiefs game they blew right at the end. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what could hurt them when it comes to, if they're not dominating, if they have to come from behind or overcome adversity, or go to the red zone and not turn the ball over like Josh Allen's been doing that could, something that's been hard for them. So they have that on the on, they have that issue on the AFC side. The Chiefs, the Dolphins and the Jets really don't right now. Those are the three teams that I think yep. have overcome the adversity well. The Ravens maybe but not I think as the Ravens
1: much. the Ravens are a lot better than people think. They, they. are. They I are. agree with that but they, they they and and the fact is it's all about Lamar Jackson getting healthy. Uh, he's not 100% healthy. You could see him on the field and they have no Real running back. Now, J.K. Dobbins could be back in the next two or three weeks. If he comes back before the season's end and he's half as healthy as he was, uh, you know, half before he got injured. And I think they rushed him back too quick. I I think he wasn't 100% healthy when he came back this year. And you, you saw him limping. You need to get him, you know, under understand the offense a little bit better. Get him understand what this team is strong at and what this team isn't strong at. Remember, he has not played for a year and a half, and now he steps on the field and he's expecting to go out there and just dominate. That that's hard for a running back to do. I think he will be back this year. He will, and everybody, everything that I've read should be back in the next two weeks. When he does come back, I think they need to ease him into the offense because if they have a healthy J.K. Dobbins in this offense, and they can run the ball with Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins and then throw the ball to the we- the little bit of weapons that they have in the open field, they can win, and they're still scary. This defense isn't as bad as it is. It-, it
3: just isn't. No, they're too talented to be this bad, and that's what I mean when it comes to adversity. They're a lot like the Bills where there are certain years where they, it seems like they have the most talent in the league or top five roster in the league, and they've crumbled. So are they going to do the opposite this time around, overcome all the... Bad double digit blown leads they had in the first six weeks of the season, ten points to the to the giants of all teams who don 't have a great passing attack all that twenty eight point leads to the Miami Dolphins that they blew like are they going to be able to overcome all those demons and turn it around in the second half because remember this is a Ravens team too that hasn 't gone to the AFC championship game since that Joe Flacco Super Bowl year either, so they 've been stuck right in that second round area with lamar jackson's playoff the AFC
1: too. and the NFC is very open, and everybody keeps saying, well Kansas City. They have been far and along the best team in the NFL. Even better, some people say, than the Eagles, being that they're 8-1. The Chiefs have a lot of deficiencies, too. You can see it in their game. They depend a lot on Patrick Mahomes. And when you have teams, and I'm just saying, I'm just bringing the Jets because I've watched them a lot this year, as 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 I should because I'm a Jet fan. If they can get, you know, two Patrick Mahomes and throw him off his spots, he is going to force the ball. And when he started forcing the ball, A.K. against the Buffalo Bills, you saw that Patrick Mahomes isn't the same quarterback he is. You saw that. And Patrick Mahomes is very hard to understand. He he, he throws the ball in different angles. He's got different weapons. He's got a lot of speed demons on the outside. He has, yes, the great Travis Kelsey, which I, I actually read a story. He was on a, a podcast recently, and he said that it, there was a very good chance that Rex Ryan and the New York Jets were going to draft him in the second round. They said it was either him or Geno Smith. Oh, boy. Geno Smith was sitting there. They d- decided with Geno Smith. And then he said, thank God, and then he went to Kansas City. Brilliant. He had no thought in his mind that Kansas City was interested in him because uh-huh. he was never interviewed by them. So it was he was thrown a curveball when he found out that Kansas City drafted him in the second round. But it was Geno Smith or him, and who knows? Travis Kelsey could have been a Jet. And obviously he was very happy that he wasn't, as he said, thank God. But maybe this, maybe this Jet team would have been different. Maybe they... Would have been a completely different offense if Travis Kelsey was there. Maybe Travis Kelsey becomes a bust. So, I mean, Andy Reid is a great offensive mind. But, again, going back to Kansas City, I don't know what Kansas City is either. As good as they are and as good as they've looked, they they didn't look that great against the Jaguars this week. They didn't. They they gave up 17 points against a Jaguar team that, honestly, is not even in the same realm as them. Okay? Now, who has Kansas City beaten this year? Honestly. Who did they beat? Let's, let's look at Kansas City. and le- Let's look at their record right now. They're 7-2. And and, and and we go into their schedule.
3: Chargers, Raiders, Jaguars. Chargers.
1: Titans. Raiders. All right. Chargers, Raiders, Jaguars, stink. Go ahead. 49ers. 49ers. Okay. Uh, who else in that division? At Arizona, the time they played the 49ers, they were horrible. Arizona. And horrible.
3: There's one more I'm missing, and it
1: would be oh, but no, they lost to Buffalo and the Colts. So I'm, that's what I'm saying. They they lost against the Colts too. By the way, yeah, that's right. Uh, all right, so let let's go to the Chiefs. I I just want to see who they they played against this year. Okay, I'm gonna go up and down the the games from the beginning of the season. It went preseason, preseason, preseason. All right, the Chiefs played the Cardinals. They beat them forty-four to twenty-one. Then they played the Chargers. They beat the Chargers 27 24. That was when the Chargers actually had; they were healthy without Keenan Allen. Right. Uh, but they were still pretty healthy with Slater and everything like that. All right. That was probably a pretty good win. Okay. The Cardinals was not a good win. Okay. Uh, I, we know how bad the Cardinals are. Then you have the Colts and the Chiefs. They lost against the Colts. That was horrible. Then they played the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are that not a good yes, okay. team. The Buccaneers, they're not a good team right now. They're a mediocre team. Okay. And they had no offensive line in that game. They played the Raiders. They stink and barely beat the Raiders. They beat them 'em thirty to twenty nine. Okay. Yeah. Another double digit lead, blown by the Raiders. They lost against the Bills. Then they then they played the 49ers. They were playing um I don't think it was Jimmy Garoppolo they beat. Yeah, they, they did, yeah, they did was... beat Jimmy yep. Garoppolo. But I, they they weren't I, I don't think they were a good team. I think they're even better now. Uh, they played the Titans, they beat the the Titans are a good team. And they beat and, and and they beat the Jaguars. Out of all those games, they beat three good teams. Three. Out of the seven wins that they have, they've won three good games. And they barely beat some of the bad teams that they played. They they shouldn't have won against the Raiders. They would have lost two in a row. They were losing against the 49ers 14 to nothing in that game. I remember it. Yeah. They should have lost against the Titans the week before that. The Titans were outplaying them and then they got lucky. The Chiefs figured out how to stop the run, and the Titans couldn't do anything. <laughs> exactly. So and I'm not and I'm not saying the I'm not saying. That the Chiefs aren't a good team. I'm just saying they're overrated. They're not as good as people think that they are. They're really not. They're definitely beatable. So if they play a good defense, like the Jets, okay? And that's just one AFC team that has a good team. Or the Miami Dolphins in the playoffs. Do they win? Do they really win that game? That does. There's no guarantees they win that game. And that's what shows you what defense could do. And, by the way, when you have good corners and you have a good secondary, you could shut down their offense. And then you depend more on the quarterback, if he's a running quarterback, to do more in the game. Which could put him in a position to fail. Yeah, the Chiefs
3: could definitely be vulnerable in some areas. Outside corner in particular, they got a lot of young guys. Legereus needs a good slot corner, but... Outside corners matched up with a team like Miami could make it very tough if they can't get a pass rush. Now, granted, the Miami offensive line is in. Oh, I think
1: Miami beats the Kansas City. They Chiefs. definitely could,
3: and you're looking at a case where now Kansas City can stop the run. I so... think the
1: I think the Chiefs beat the Jets. Yeah, yeah if I they play if they play the Jets, but if they play Miami, the Jets match up very good against Miami. It's just matchups. Uh, technically, when you have Waddle and you have Tyreek Hill, the Jets have two guys that can shut them down. Yeah, the Chiefs don't. And that's the difference. I think the Jets could beat, uh, obviously, uh, the Miami Dolphins, even with Tua. I don't think the Jets could beat the Chiefs for one reason. They're young. And they're going to make mistakes in Kansas City against a veteran team and a veteran coach. Robert Soller is uh, a new coach in the playoffs if they play in the playoffs. And I think being that he will be under pressure to do... Uh, more as a head coach in the playoffs, I think he'll make mistakes, and Andy Reid won't make as many, and I think they'll lose it because of the coaching. I, and and that's not to say Roger, Robert Sala can't keep up with Andy Reid. I just think Andy Reid is, is going to find ways to use the second half to his advantage.
3: The other matchup I think that definitely could be tougher on the Chiefs could be a team like the Ravens, too, because the Chiefs love to blitz. They love to use the 4 3 man blitz scheme. And Lamar Jackson has, one, done a better job at actually using his deep threat wide receivers this year. And two, obviously runs very well. Mm. And if they, they beat him last year in that thrilling regular season game, it was like a 36 35 game or something like that. And Lamar Jackson. Got every clutch play imaginable. Now, obviously, Arrowhead is going to be a tougher home crowd yeah. advantage
1: in the playoffs. Hundred so, percent. They are they're going to have home field advantage. Yeah. Odds are
3: odds are unless the Ravens could go on a major run to end the season, they're going to have home field advantage. The Chiefs. So
1: that would be the other one. Just schematically, that would make sense because the number one seed right now in in the AFC is the Chiefs. Right. And, and and unless they lose another game or they lose a couple, and I, what is this schedule? How many, how many Ravens are only a game back? So they would have to they. they
3: if the Ravens get the tiebreaker somehow, maybe they do end up getting it. But the Ravens do have; st- they still have to play the Bengals again. They
1: have they have the Chargers again, which is Sunday night Sunday night football this week. Yes, uh, that'll be a good game. I think the Chargers, Chargers could beat them now because Allen. I if the receivers are healthy, I yeah. think Allen is coming back, and I also think uh, Williams Williams is coming back in that I game. I hope so. Um, that, team. <laughs> uh, Rams and Chiefs. The Chiefs will beat the Rams. Uh, the Bengals, I think the Bengals could actually compete with them, especially if they could put up the points. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Broncos, they beat the Broncos. Their schedule is easy, man. They played the te- – how is a team this good every single year have a schedule of this in the in the second half? Chargers, Rams, nobody thought the Rams were going to be this bad. So That's why, yeah. The Bengals, Broncos, Texans, Seahawks, Broncos, Raiders. Well, the Broncos are all supposed to be better, too, and look at them. They're going to – they're going to beat the Broncos in both these games. They're going to beat the Raiders. They're going to beat the Texans. They might have a problem with the Seahawks. Might. That's yeah, a might.
3: F. I, I don't know.
1: I think the only loss they have in, in the rest of these games is the Chiefs and the Chargers coming up Sunday Night Football and the Bengals. Yeah, the, that's it. The, the Bengals are a wild card because they can beat the Ravens, too. And The Bengals, the, I think the Bengals are a lot better. And Jamar Chase should be back now in the second half. So yeah. when he comes back, who does the Chiefs have to stop him? <laughs> yeah, after, after Jamar Chase at 266 yards and Higgins, last year. <laughs> and Higgins hasn't been 100% healthy. He will be back, too. I mean, this this is still a Bengals team that could be a lot better than they have been in the first half.
3: Yeah, the the Ravens right now have their own division remaining. <laughs> they've gotten they've gotten all the AFC East out of the way yep. for them. So they they lost to Buffalo, but they beat all uh, Miami, and so they split with those teams. But so they have their their own division left in in there. They already beat the Broncos, so they're done with the AFC West. And the rest of their games are really in the NFC South. They get to play the Panthers this week, which was pretty easy. And they still have to play the Falcons, so they have a lot of winnable games. They could do. It's too. just so
1: open. It's to me, this is the most interesting season we've seen in the NFL in such a very long time. Because, honestly, there is no guarantees who's going to the Super Bowl this year. Nope. There is none. There's no, And nobody could sit here and tell me, oh, I know for... And if, if somehow those two teams go to the Super Bowl, I told you, like the beef. There is no way, when you look at all these teams... There's a predominant Super Bowl champion yep. in any of these teams that could make the playoffs. Yep. No, no. Nope. Nobody's allowed to say at the start of the season they had a Dolphins-Seahawks Super Bowl, if that happens. I, I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> I, I mean, it's crazy. The Dolphins could go to Super Bowl. The Jets could go to the Super Bowl. They share. I said it. The Jets could get hot in the second half. And if they could stay healthy and even get healthy going into the second half, they could be scary good, too. they got George Fonk coming back, Max Mitchell coming back now on the bye week. I mean, come on. Font, they're saying, might not be back until next week. Okay. Max Mitchell is back this week. Do they start Max Mitchell instead of McGovern? McGovern's played well. Do they start him? Or do they wait and see what McGovern could do? Right. But they have so many options. They have Herbig coming back. Now, Herbig's gonna, he's going to be expecting a, uh, an extension this offseason. Do the Jets give it to him? I, I think they should. I, I mean, there will be other teams interested in him because yes. he's having a great year. So he's proven himself to be an important guard on another team. Now, maybe he wants to be a Jet. Maybe he wants to stay a Jet. Maybe the Jets don't want him. You know, maybe the Jets have (laughs) Makai Beckham coming back. They have uh, obviously Brown's coming back. Elijah Ver Tucker's coming back. Now you have beasts coming back, and they're (laughs) they could be even better than they are this year. With those beasts,
3: yeah, and then they have all those draft picks. too. But they, oh, don't, yes.
1: they don't need to really. There's, I no, obvious, about that there's too. no obvious. There's no
3: obvious position they needed to draft like they did last year
1: too. So they could. Always they play. had so many positions they had to to fill in. Now, what are the Jets missing to be a contender? I, I mean, honestly. What, another wide receiver? Wide they, receiver and safety, probably. I was maybe. Saying. I mean, because if they decide to trade and move past Elijah, Elijah Moore, which they could in yeah, the offseason. They, they could decide to do that. Uh, they're moving him into the slot, which we're hearing. They just gave Braxton Berrios a two-year extension. So Berrios will be their slot guy next year unless they bring in another guy. Right. So they obviously are going to give Mims and Corey Davis, who's coming back, that opportunity to go and play on the outside which as Denzel, deser- Denzel Mims deserves it. He has played as well as we wanted to see. I have been pushing the Jets to play this guy. Finally, Davis gets hurt and he's playing well. So, they're probably going to bring Denzel Mims back. Corey Davis will be off this team next year because they're not go- they they need to take that contract off uh their salaries because they're going to have to either ex- they have to pay Quentin Williams, they have- they have to pay Quincy Uh, There are other pieces. Kawan, Alexander, they're probably going to want to bring back. Mosley might have to take another pay cut. Right. So... I mean, and I think Mosley wants to stay there, so I think he will. But even if they lose some linebackers, like those are easier to get later in drafts. They now. can draft a linebacker. Yeah,
3: those that's not a, as prioritized of a position in terms of going in the top 10 in the early rounds. Roquan Smith and Devin White are the only ones I remember recently that have done that. Most of the other top linebackers were either late first-round picks or second-round picks that— they have developed – teams that have developed well, especially those smaller ones that don't have the body types but able to emerge later, somebody like a Fred Warner. Wagner, too. He was yeah. in the first-round draft pick. Yeah, Wagner was a second-round pick. Uh, so it's not as prioritized but with the, a couple exceptions. Even even the 2016
1: draft, how hyped were Jalen Smith and Miles Jack does, at the time? Does every Jet fan remember David Harris? Yep. David Harris was the second-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. And David Harris was a big part of that Rex Ryan defense. He was the best linebacker on that team. Right, He was one of the best linebackers in the league. So underrated and so underappreciated because, by the way, he plays for Rex Ryan's
3: defense. Yep. So I think even if they do miss out on one of those linebackers, they can't keep all three of them. They could still replace them with a second round pick, third round pick that might fit into that system. Cause they would need him as just a third linebacker. Cause Robert Salas still plays mostly the nickel, mm-hmm. especially with the three corners playing as well oh. as they have this year. What I think they will still need is a zone coverage type safety that could just drop back in zone. And, and he doesn't deep.
1: like to blitz. He no. is the only, he, he has blitzed less than any coach in the NFL this year. Yep. And he does it. He did it last year too. And And you heard, Quinton Williams went to the coaching staff in that Bengals game. He was screaming at the defensive line coach, We should not be rushing six guys. We should be rushing four guys. We are better than this. And as soon as they started doing that, and they listened to Quinton Williams, Quinton Williams is becoming the best defensive lineman in football, because he is. And uh, he's developing as fast as he is. Lawson is getting to his points. This defense is so fast up front with Lawson and Williams. And when Rankins comes back... Uh, and Shepard, and and then you have on the other side Jermaine Johnson and Curry. Curry's been a big part yeah. of this defense since he's come back. He's looked good too. So and they have leadership in that locker room now. This is they have veterans that are leading Mosley and Curry, and then they have so many good youngsters there too. And, and even in the secondary, their leader is Whitehead. That's that's their leader. Everybody else and DJ Reed. Everybody else is young. They're kids.
3: Right. And D.J. Reed, remember, he played a year with the 49ers, too, was familiar with a lot
1: of that stuff. Well, Joyner's not a kid. He's been in the league, too. Yeah, but Joyner's been in the league for He's like not years a He's now. not a leader. I, I heard he's more of a quiet guy. Yeah, it, It's really it's really Whitehead, who's been a really big leader. He wanted to come and play over here with the Jets. His cousin, Darrell Rivas, played for the Jets. Um, I didn't like him in the first four games of the season. Yeah. made a lot of mistakes. Maybe he was just learning the defense. I think he was misused. So, And, and now, finally, he's figured things out. And, and you see why Robert Sala wanted him so bad in the offseason. And why he brought him from Tampa Bay. Because this defense is different. Really, the last five games, this defense is different. It, it's just they believe differently uh, than they did in the first three games of the season. And I, I think... Uh, They're only going to get better. Uh, Now, these bi-week health concerns that they had, uh, obviously having a week off, does this help them? Does it make them better? Or does it hurt their momentum? I really believe they had this game circled ever since that game against New England in MetLife Stadium. I think they plan to go out this week and shut up the naysayers. I think Zach Wilson wants to go into New England and shut up those naysayers saying that he he's not any good and that he is a bust at as a second-round draft pick from last year. I think he proved it against the Chiefs. I mean, he proved it against the Buffalo Bills last week that he can compete against the best quarterbacks in the league. And he doesn't have to throw the ball as much. And I think the Jets are going to trust him more after this game if they can beat the Patriots. I think the Patriots want this game just as bad as the Jets because if they win, <clears throat> the Jets Fall down another game, obviously, and they they tie the Jets record. I think they're five and four right now. They're five and four. Yep. If they win and the Jets lose, the Jets become six and four, and so do they. At the start of the
3: week, all the all four AFC's teams were in playoff spots. Yep. Miami was the two seed, and then the Jets, Bills,
1: and Patriots were the three wild. Courts. But if the Jets win, they take sole custody of first. Right, Why they head to head on Miami because they have the head to head and they have the division. They've won three. Th- that would be three games out of the four games they've played in the division. So, they would be three and one in the division. Which who would have thought the Jets would be three and one at this time of year in the
3: division? And that's what could hurt the Bills because the Dolphins are three and zero in division, and <laughs> the Jets would be three and one if that happens. And the Bills
1: are zero and two right now in division. So it, it, it's crazy. It, nobody would have thought that the Jets and the Dolphins would be as good as they are in the division. And yep. this is a very important game for both the Jets and the Patriots. The Jets do not want to lose a second game against the Patriots when they know they're better than the Patriots. They're a better team than the Patriots. For sure. Yeah, so going to New England, it is going to be cold this week. I heard it could snow. Um, obviously, the fans are going to be loud over there and the – they want to see the Patriots win this game. They want to shut up the Jet fans because they think the Jets are not as good as they believe they them to be. But I I think this is such a very important – this could, you know, turn away anybody's thoughts that the Patriots are the team of the future in this division because they're not anymore. No. I, I think it's, it's the Buffalo Bills, the Jets, and the Miami Dolphins. And – until the Patriots figure out how to rebuild this team, I don't think they're anywhere in the same realm when it comes to talent. Now, the Patriots have a lot of money this offseason. Yes, they do. They could spend a lot of money this offseason. Is spending money something that Bill Belichick likes to do? No, but I'll tell you this. Bill Belichick knows it takes a while to develop players. Bill Belichick knows that if he looks at his last drafts, they haven't been so good. So he knows... That what he did two years ago when he had to make moves and he spent the most money, something that he, you've never seen Bill Belichick and a Bill Belichick team do in the offseason, I expect it to be even worse this year. I, now, the Jets will not lose Quinn Williams to anybody. So anybody that thinks that Quinn Williams is going to go to the Patriots and just oh leave the God, Jets, no. you're out of your, your gall if you think that. The Patriots have much bigger needs than that right now. They're <laughs> not going to get him anyways. No. But they have to decide who their quarterback is. They do because Mac Jones, even though everybody, I, I thought Mac Jones was fantastic last year. Maybe it was, maybe it was the coaching of McDaniels. Maybe McDaniels was in his head and, and he was a better uh, a fit for a Mac Jones and he should have never left the Patriots. Maybe he should have just waited until Bill Belichick retired. Maybe that would have been a better fit for him because he, he he works with the same quarterback and he's built this young quarterback for what it is. But this isn't the same team they were last year. They're not. Nope. They lost a great corner. They lost a, uh, uh, Van Noyd. I don't know why they lost him in free agency or let him go. There were so many pieces that just didn't make sense on why they just said, you know what, we're going to part ways with these guys. Now, there are some good players that are going to be available this offseason. There is. Um, I think they need a wide receiver. Badly. <laughs> I mean, if the Jets let go of Corey Davis, I think they should definitely look into that. I mean, he'd be their best wide receiver
3: by far. He'd be their best wide receiver, but we've also seen, like, big-bodied receivers yeah. really struggle there. So, is that, like, you're going to be something that
1: works? I and mean, they can't draft wide receivers either because they never draft. That's the one position they never draft well. I mean, Odell Beckham, if he comes back wherever he goes with the Cowboys or the Giants, maybe they make a move for Odell Beckham and give him the money that he wants. I mean, that could be a good... You know, weapon that they could bring. They need to add weapons to throw to. They
3: don't have any of that. Yeah, they were they were interested initially before the suspension in Calvin Ridley, too. But now that's not going to happen. No, he's he a goes to the Jaguars. So. He's a Jaguar. That would have been ideal. I'm sure Belichick was eyeing that at the time because he's a good scheme fit for what they like to do. But still, now you're dealing with a lot of
1: really trusting it. Look, at the, look at the wide receivers they're going to have next year over there. Yeah. <laughs> Kirk, who's having a great year, he's having a fantastic year. By the way, all the people that the naysayers that just didn't like, and I'm one of them, that thought they a lot of people overpaid Christian Kirk. Obviously, it it has hurt the Arizona Cardinals. (laughs) I did not think Kirk was going to hurt the offense of the Arizona Cardinals. He was such an important blanket piece for Kyler Murray. He's eleventh right now in the league in receiving yards. Right now, he's ahead of
3: wait for it Mike Evans, Tyler Lockett, Jamar Chase, Michael Pittman, Amari Cooper, DK Metcalf. Look at those are all the guys. A lot of the guys he's ahead of right now. What is his numbers? He has eighty two catches, six (laughs) hundred seventy nine yards, and seven touchdowns this year, and averages sixty seven point nine yards per game.
1: So he's probably going to have probably around thirteen hundred yards. He's going to probably have 12 to 14 touchdowns. That's what Christian Kirk's going to have. I don't think that's bad at all. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, that's a good season for Christian Kirk. I'm surprised. I mean, but again... Uh, he went to Peterson. Peterson is a good coach. He's a good offensive mind, and he has a quarterback that can get him to the ball, get him to get him the get him the ball the way he needs to get the ball. So I, I think it was a big mistake. It was a big mistake for the Arizona Cardinals to let go of Christian Kirk. And I didn't think he was that good, but boy was I wrong. He's also hasn't been that healthy either. And all of a sudden, he stayed healthy the first ten games of the season. Boy so, was wow. I wrong about him. I, I mean. He's turning out to have a really good season pro ball season. If he has Possibly. If he has twelve hundred, thirteen hundred yards and he has, I don't know, I guess, uh 11 touchdowns oh, or 12? 12, oh, 12 yeah. touchdowns. Okay. He makes the Pro Bowl.
3: Yeah, because the, the competition we talked about before we were on air, too. The two Miami receivers digs. In the, this is just the AFC. I guess Devontae Adams still probably just on the fan vote. But, again, he might, be def- he might be fifth because none of the Bengals receivers have really been that consistent to be able to put there in that spot. I guess maybe you could do Pittman, but he only has one touchdown this year. <laughs> to Kirk a seven. And, yeah, he's probably def- – pretty definitively the fifth guy right now. If you want to judge the si- I think there's six pro bowl spots for wide receivers. So even if you take the other four out, the four elite wide receivers and two Miami guys, then you're dealing with a case where he's the fifth guy. At least he's a reserve in the, in the voting too. Let's just hope the fans uh, know that kind of thing. Cause eh. Jacksonville doesn't have a lot of fans.
1: It's so interesting when you, when you look at where the NFL is going and how it's falling into place. It's, it's, it's really crazy. It really is. And, if you're an NFL fan, this is the season that you've been looking forward for. I mean, you don't want any guarantees. You don't want those Buccaneer Brady teams or God, no. the Rams, God, the way no. they ha- they've been over the last couple, even the 49ers, and 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 even the Bengals. Everybody thought the Bengals were going to be that. That team is going to Super Bowl again this year. It's going to win, you know, Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl because yours truly thought Burroughs was the – The Burrow was the next Tom Brady. And I still think he could be. I really do. But they're not as good as everybody thought they were going to be offensive line-wise and their offense. And their running game. (laughs) Yeah, and Jamar Chase, he's not healthy. And teams have figured him out. I mean, look what the Jets did to him. They have figured him out. He is a good route runner. But if you put a bigger guy on him that can keep up with him, you can beat him. You Mm -hmm. can stop him. And, and, and we've seen that. Darrell Revis was so very good against big guys. Yep. Why? Because he always he nudged you at, at your point of attack. He had five yards to nudge you and point, put you in position to make the first move or make the wrong move against him. Mm-hmm. And that's how he beat you. Calvin Johnson and Andre Johnson, back-to-back weeks, the one year. <laughs> what does Garner like to 50 do? Yards. What does Garner like you to do? Garner likes you to think that you're beating him. He knows that he's as fa- he's fast as you. He knows that he's longer than you. And he knows he's as strong as you are. So what does he do? He lets you think that you beat him. And then he uses his long legs and his long arms. And he, he uses his eyes to watch you in the open field try to go after that ball. And he just uses his length and his strength to beat you. And, and, that's, and that's why they were comparing, okay, Jalen Ramsey's numbers. In his first nine games as a, play- a player in the NFL, and Gardner. Mm-hmm. Do you know that Jalen Ramsey's numbers are nowhere close to Gardner?
3: Yeah, I would imagine.
1: Gardner has given up 160 yards to Jalen Ramsey's, I think, 345 yards. Okay. okay? Uh, Jalen Ramsey had no interceptions in nine games, Gardner has two. Okay, I, I, there was some other number. is deflected maybe uh, something else. Okay, they're not even close. Okay, and Jalen Ramsey has been the supposedly quote unquote the best corner in football in the last five years. To everybody but you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he is. But, I know you don't. <laughs> but that just tells you how good Gardner is in his rookie season, no. and how good yeah, he's right. going to be.
3: Yeah, Jalen Ramsey definitely isn't this year. Probably
1: Darius Slay. By the way, the Texans' yeah. uh, corner is pretty damn good too. Yeah, he is. He's really good too. I, I the, he he's going to turn out to be a, a nice player too. He he's given up no touchdowns. Uh, what's his name again? I'm sorry, Stingley. Stingley, who uh, a lot of a lot of people f- were questioning when they drafted Stingley. Uh, the Texans deft- drafted Stingley at number three instead of Gardner. Now has he been better than Gardner? No, but he's good. And, and, and Stingley's going to be one of the more dominant corners in this league for many, many years to come. It could be the start of a good defense over there. Uh, they had, obviously, over the years, JJ Watt and then all the weapons they had was really up front. Now, maybe if they could build a secondary around Stingley, look what the Jets did. I mean, their defense is built on two players. And, and Speedy, I want you to guess who they are two players. The, the Jets' defense is built on two players, S- Sauce and Quinn and Williams. Exactly. That is what, and that's the future of this team. It's built on two players. A top-end corner and a top-end tackle. Okay? What is the Rams built on defensively? Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. (laughs) Jalen Ramsey. That is what the Jets were thinking when they went after Gardner. They wanted to be the next Rams. Why did Robert Sala take this team? Everybody that I have talked, uh, spoken to, with the New York Jets organization, every single one of them told me Robert Sala took Robert Sala took this job for one player because he thought he can change Quentin Williams into the superstar that came from Alabama. And now, finally, after three years, when he came into the league at the age of 20, he's going to be 24. I think he just turned 24. Quentin Williams has become the best tackle in the NFL. And that's how, that speaks loud on what they think that this team could be in the future. Mm-hmm. You don't get a prospect that unique
3: either when it comes to the defensive tackle position. And especially a defense that has done well with... Defense- As fast, too. Yeah, huh. right. That, that's the main thing is Aaron Donald was fast. And they were comparing that at the time to, with Quentin Williams Quentin Williams Aaron is Donald. like three inches taller than him. Well, yeah, but his raw speed at the defensive tackle position, his agility at the defensive tackle position. And heavier than Aaron Donald, too. Was a very rare prototype as it is for somebody that size. Now, he's bigger than Aaron Donald, obviously. Aaron Donald was a little undersized. In every
1: kind of way, by the way. In every kind of way. Hands, arms, everything. Weight, speed. I, I mean, this guy is bigger than Aaron Donald, okay? Now, that doesn't mean he's better than Aaron Donald. I never said that he is. Could he be better than Aaron Donald in the next – if he does this again next year? Yeah, I I think he can. Yeah, And I think he will prove that he can do this back-to-back-to-back years because – finally, they're using him in 80% of the snaps. And they're using him in a 4-3 defense, which
3: he was held back in a 3-4 defense for years, too, with Greg Williams. And mm-hmm. Greg Williams did not get the best out of him when he was playing 3-4 end, both in run defense and in and as, especially as a pass rusher. Yeah, they had the one year where the Jets were like the second or third best run defense in the league, but that was not all just Quinton Williams and Greg Williams either. But still, yeah, that's this is the prototype that a lot of these teams are going to build defensive tackles off of. and We've talked about it all the time with draft analyst NFL guests we've had on this show, a lot more teams are drafting interior defensive linemen earlier because they see the value in it, Mm -hmm. especially somebody that fast, that quick off the line of scrimmage, because it's not something that the running quarterbacks can prepare for as well. Look at Jalen Hurts this last game against Washington. When Washington was able to get interior pressure, Hurts was not ready for it, and their defensive tackles feasted, especially in the fourth quarter, and that really rattled him towards the end of that game. How did you like the Anthony Rizzo signing? I thought it was good. Seventeen million million, two two years. I think that's a solid move. You're looking at a case of Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, he's not going to have the batting average. The defense is still very strong with him at first base.
1: I think $17 million is worthy. You don't have to worry about injury risk with him. I, I like the signing. I-, I do. Because leadership is so very important in that clubhouse. And, and we don't know if Aaron Judge is coming back. As a matter of fact, I think he's not coming back. Right. And I think Anthony Rizzo knows that too. I think... When you look at this team and, and the belief of where this team is going, DJ Lemeo's is coming back. Hopefully he'll be healthy this year. So a healthy DJ LeMayo, a healthy, obviously, um, Anthony Rizzo or Giancarlo Stanton, another leader of this team. You have the veterans. Now, I, I don't like what Hal Steinberg has said about Josh Donaldson. He will be back. He will be the third baseman for the New York Yankees this year. He believes that he wasn't 100% healthy. He's a better hitter than any, and they believe in him. I don't know if, if they're... Joking with the the Yankee fans, I don't know what's going on. And 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 Geo Greg Giannotti said something very interesting uh, this past week. He says that the Yankees are being cheap. Now, I heard Hal Steinbrenner wants to make Yanke, uh, make uh, Aaron Judge a, a Yankee forever. If he doesn't pay him, he won't be a Yankee forever. Now, it, Hal Steinbrenner has shown you that he is spending money because he is paying Anthony Rizzo. Right. So. I I I know going back on people saying that he's being cheap. If he was being cheap, he wouldn't have paid Anthony Rizzo. Now there are also rumors that they like Justin Verlander. Now he could be a one A pitcher behind Garrett Cole. Could be the pitcher. He could be the A pitcher for the Yankees. And Garrett Cole could go back to number two, which could take a le- less pressure off of him. Maybe make him even better. Do I pay Justin Verlander at the age of 40 a two year extension or a three year extension worth about 130, 140 million? I- I'd be crazy to do that. Yeah. Now, they could be desperate. And we have seen what desperate teams do. We've seen the Yankees desperate and see what they have done in 2009 CC Sabathia, AJ Burnett, and Mark Teixeira. I do not believe. This would be a smart move for the New York Yankees if they bring in Justin Verlander at the age of 40. Now, you look at the big picture now. Yankee fans want to see money, and they want to see something spent. And if you lose Aaron Judge to free agency, and he goes to San Francisco, which I believe he will with Brendan Nimmo, because that's what I'm hearing now. Yeah they're going to bring both new york guys over there solidify that outfield for the future you have Nimmo in center and you have aaron uh, aaron judge for right field you solidify your your positioning out there and have maybe one of the better outfield outfield duos in the in in the mlb now if that happens the yankees have to decide are we spending the money this year are we spending the money next year they're still a contender. They still can compete. The American League East, even though it's the best division in baseball, is definitely open for grabs because the Red Sox aren't going to be good. <laughs> they're 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 not going to spend money in the offseason. They're going to have to either decide to pay their own players or let them go and bring up young players and and be bad because they, they're playing, they're building like the Tampa Bay Rays. That's I heard, what they're doing. I heard, too, if the Red Sox don't sign Bogarts, the Yankees are interested in him. Oh, please. They're not doing that either. Why would the Yankees bring in Bogarts when they, they've praised Volpe and Paraisa? Why would they do that? I don't know. They're not, they're not doing it. It was just a rumor. <laughs> it's a rumor. It's not true. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't necessarily trust them. I either. trust the Mets to do something like that than the Yankees. Yeah, the the right Mets right would right. spend the money. Yeah, the Mets have better things to worry about than their infield. I do not believe the Yankees are going to do that. I, I don't. So going back to that conversation, we can go back at it at, uh, in a, another time. But I, I think that Hal Steinbrenner has to decide on where this team is going. Do they believe that they're going to contend this year? Or maybe wait until Soto and Otani becomes available next year. And where they can make a big run for the two big names in the offseason. And, and then splurge that they didn't do this offseason with Aaron Judge. I don't know what the plan is. I don't believe the whole House Steinberg. I want to make Aaron Judge uh, a Yankee forever. I don't believe that. I think Aaron Judge thinks he's full of it. <laughs> I, I really do. I, I First of all, they're giving him qualifying offers. Only shows Aaron Judge. That you're, you're, you're playing games with him. Right. now. There's no set plan. No, there is no set plan. Anthony Rizzo, there was a set plan. Everybody thought Anthony Rizzo wanted to be here. He wanted to be Yankee. He really did. With Aaron Judge or not, he likes his team. He likes everything about the Yankee fans. He grew up a Yankee fan. Everybody thought he wanted to be a Marlin. He never wanted to be a Marlin. Oh, God. He never wanted to be a Marlin. He wanted to be Yankee. He grew up a pinstripe fan. A Derek Jeter fan. He's talk- He's spoken about it plenty of times before he became a Yankee. So he wants to be in Pinstripes. Does Aaron Judge want to be in Pinstripes? I, I-, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I-, I don't know. And honestly, the way it seems and the way he's sitting, and I, I don't think the Yankees are negotiating the deal that he wants – He's going to be gone a lot quicker than people think. I yeah. as a matter of fact, I predict by next week Aaron Judge will be announced as a San Francisco for, a San Francisco Giant almost at 49. Could you imagine that? Aaron
3: <laughs> He's Dutch, big enough.
1: Hey, Aaron
3: Aaron Judge could be on the uh, on the Warriors
1: sideline with all those 49ers. Yeah, that's that's funny too. <laughs> that'll but, be that'll be By the way, by the way. Row. Going back to that, Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo at the Warriors game. I, I understand he likes to hang out with porno stars, and he loves his cheerleaders, and he likes to be the centerfold GQ man of the year, okay? Why the hell, okay? Why the hell is he, you know, the centerpiece of all the guys that were there, Okay. Kittles is a better player than him. Kyle, Ushik's the best at his position. Ushik, but Ushik is a, is a fullback. I he's know. a fullback. Nobody gives a crap about that. And who's the other guy over McCaffrey. there? McCaffrey. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Christian McCaffrey's a way better player than Jimmy Caroppolo at his okay. position. Mm-hmm. What is it about Jimmy Caroppolo? Who knows? What does the women love about this guy? Uh, I mean, you want to go into I'm surprised Steph Curry wasn't there trying to show him how to shoot a
3: jumper. Yeah. He's got, he might have to teach the rest of
1: his team the way they're playing. My <laughs> uh, God. I, I don't know what is the frenzy with Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I really don't. Who knows? I mean, I, I'm a guy, so I'm not going to tell you he's a good-looking guy or not. We'll have to ask Tyler that, so that would be <laughs> interesting. Uh, I'm sure he'll have his own thoughts <laughs> about Jimmy Garoppolo. But, uh, you know, me as a man, I, I could care less what he looks like. So, uh but the the women seem to love him. They, everybody, did you see all the whole cheerleading squad? Yeah. They didn't say hello to anybody else around him. They went up to him. What was that? I mean, yeah. what is it about him? I just, I don't, what? Maybe it was the subway commercials. <laughs> maybe. Maybe he's going to give them free subway. I, I think they starve themselves during the season. So, uh, I mean, five hundred calories a sub. I don't know. Uh, who knows? Huh. Might be less at this rate. When we come back, we'll be talking to our only guest tonight. Uh, Again, I want to give a shout-out to uh, uh, former commanders and Browns fullback and tight end Mike Sellers. He couldn't join us tonight because of his father being sick. Hopefully everything's okay. We'll get him on the show another day. We'll be talking to athletic NBA managing editor Tyler Batiste here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports
3: Loudmouths.
1: Mouths. 631-672-3108. No phone calls tonight. Very surprised, Speedy. You are listening to the Sports Loud You can go to website at sports radio network. We're working on fixing the app on Apple, but it is on Android. Search it, Worldwide Sports Radio, or Check it out at WWSRN on Android. Uh, by the way, uh, how many billionaires are out there? I mean, every single Yahoo post is about billionaires. I mean, I I know there's, there's like 40 or 30 billionaires now. It's crazy how many billionaires there are. <laughs> These crypto owners, and as everybody knows, I think it was FTX or something like that. Whatever Kay whatever Cunningham's was, actually, are, might be on the verge of
3: going bankrupt. Tom Brady. So he might lose, Tom like, Brady. A, he
1: might lose, like, a million of his rookie contract or A something. lot of people lost a lot of money. Tom Brady lost a lot of money. Yeah. Curry lost a lot of money uh, with that FTX. But uh, crazy, crazy story. And, and, by the way, people were pulling out. That's why that went bankrupt. I don't understand cryptos. I really don't. But uh, maybe, maybe our next guest does. We are now talking to the athletic NBA manager, editor <laughs> Tyler Batiste. Tyler, what's up, man?
2: I don't understand crypto.
1: You don't own any cryptos, Bitcoin or any of that? No,
2: no. I'm 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 sticking with uh
1: gold bars. <laughs> How many gold bars do you have?
2: I can't tell you that. <laughs>
1: well, if you had a lot of them, I I, I got to find out where you hang out, you know.
2: Maybe I got a couple, maybe I have no, maybe I have a lot. You know, I can't. I can't divulge that information. Wow. Maybe he has an
1: underground <laughs> mine in his yard. Maybe the athletic gave him a bunch of them.
0: <laughs>
1: no. no. <laughs> Anyways, Tyler, how are you and your family doing? Obviously, with COVID and and everything that's going on in the world.
2: Good, good, good. Every everything is uh, as good as one can expect. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, you know, it's 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 about as as good as you can expect after the past couple of years. So. Um, everybody's kind of coming out hopefully on the other end of it. And, uh, unfortunately that means snow and cold weather is on the way. But, <laughs> I love it. Know. I love it. I know you don't, uh, I can't, I, I can't get over it, man. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a snow guy. The thing I don't like about snow is that you can't hear when it's snow. So if it's a thunderstorm outside, you hear, you know, Oh man, it rained for an hour, but snow, you can hear nothing. Oh, Look outside. It Hold on
1: one drop. second. You hear snow hit the, you know, Hit your windows, hit your glass doors. Yeah, but
2: not, not, not hard. You can look outside and see, all of a sudden see blanketed. That's I don't like that. It kind of creeps up on you. Oh, so it does. All you have to do you is, do.
3: With, with those gold bars, you just have to climb a tree. And then right. uh, when it's snowing outside in a blizzard, you could just uh, toss Drop some them. of them into the snow and then you'll hear it. That's a good
2: point. Yeah, put a, uh, get, get some multi uh, multifunctional use out of it. Yeah, You know what I'll do?
1: <laughs> I'll wait until it snows and I'll take the salt and throw it at your windows. Then you know it's snowing.
2: Yeah, I appreciate
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as everybody knows, we are talking to the athletic NBA managing editor, Tyler Batiste. So why don't we get into the NBA? So much going on with this, uh, obviously, uh, <sighs> Brooklyn Nets situation. All right. I, I I step back and wonder what the NBA is doing with you-know-who. And uh, I have my own thoughts to what he is as a person, personally, Um what he has done on and off the court, uh, as he has said, the earth is flat. He has said that COVID. He he didn't want to play because he didn't believe in both situations, and he, he stood stood tall on that. And then, obviously, taking back some of the things that he said over in the past, and then this comes out. Uh, Anti Semitic uh, thoughts to a film, posting it up on social media, and then the, uh, the, he, the Nets went to him and asked him to apologize. He goes up there and says, you know what, why am I apologizing? There's no reason to apologize. Then he apologizes because he gets suspended. Now the Nets need to decide, hey, are we bringing him back? Are we not? Adam Silver comes out and says he's not anti-Semitic. I don't know what's going on with this. What is that – What in your view, what have you heard from the NBA? And do you think that this has been handled
2: right? Uh. Probably not. Um, I mean, I think you look at uh, everything that kind of happened over the past few weeks with um, the lack of statements that were, were put out first by the team and then by the league. And then finally, uh, at the end, the statement that came out from the league and uh, Adam Silver about about the apology. Um, there's kind of two sides to this, right? There's the on court and the off court. And what the off court situation was, what he you know promoted, the reaction to it, all that is objectively, I think, terrible. Um, And I think when you look at the on-court side of it, they've got the whole situation with Steve Nash, a new coach, uh, frankly a bad roster, an all-star, and Ben Simmons who isn't playing like he's an all-star, who has his own. That's a whole other situation. So it's a mess in Brooklyn, and, and, you know, I'm not going to pretend I'm smart enough to uh, be able to accurately, you know, say uh, yes or no to to the the league's reaction to to Kyrie. I know – what he did was bad. That is clear. The way he reacted to it is bad. I don't think I'm I'm wrong in saying that um, some of the reaction by the league was bad. And now it's, it's kind of a waiting game to see what, what happens. I, I think there's going to be a point where uh, the nets or the players or the league is just kind of try to get to a, a situation where is it worth the trouble, mm-hmm. you know, is what he does on the court when he's available because he's been unavailable so often, Um is that worth all the other headaches? And um, obviously the Nets have to deal with that this year. But in the offseason, it's going to be a situation of whether another team wants to deal with it. He's going to be a free agent, and you 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 want to go into that uh, into free agency being as a uh, you know as as available and as uh, desirable as you possibly can. And I don't think he's that or anywhere close to that at the moment.
1: As we all know, there is about or ten or twelve Jewish owners in the NBA right now. And if I was an owner and I heard him promoting a film that is anti-Semitic and then saying his beliefs and just because he reads books or he he believes in whatever he believes and This is the same guy that uh, he has backed up so many different cultures and things that he believes in. And I, I stand tall with what he believes in and some of the things that he says. Hey, listen, he has the right to think the earth is flat. He wants to believe that by all means. It's flat. Okay, but when you take a shot at you know a religion that first of all, you're based out of Brooklyn, okay? It's Brooklyn, and where do most Jews live? It's Brooklyn, it's this centerpiece of Judaism. Really, it is. I mean, Judaism is, is everything in Brooklyn. And and by the way, half the people that buy your tickets are Jews. So why? would you say something so dumb
2: and stupid I, I i don't understand the guy he's stupid i think i think i think what you said is 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 perfect i don't think people understand Kyrie for better or worse and i think that's this is obviously another layer to that situation but that's been the norm for him ever since he came into the league essentially i mean it's you look at Obviously not a series of a situation, but what went on in Brook in Boston when he mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of uh, got his way out of there when he was on a title winning team, title contending team in Cleveland, and won in his own uh his own situation and and kind of forced his way out from uh LeBron's shadow. So understanding Kyrie Irving and everything that entails, I think um went out of the window a long time ago. Um that there are things that are undeniable, which is that he's a He's a really good basketball player no when questions. he plays. Um, he's one of the best in the world when he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, but that caveat when he plays because of various reasons has been the problem. And again, I think it's going to be really interesting next season, off season, when we get into the summer and see what the market is like for him. Because um, if you look at what he does when he's on the court, it should be you know max contract level type money. But I can't assume that that's going to happen with with any team in the league. But Then again, it only takes one, right? There's 30 teams. It only takes one of them uh, to kind of, uh, you know, throw that money at at a particular person. But I'm really interested to see how that plays out.
3: That's right. The only team that's going to pay him is one Kyrie buys himself, so he can coach and uh, coach and play and run his own practice schedule. He did
1: that with the Brooklyn Nets.
3: Yep. <laughs> so, so, so he'll just he'll just create his own team. They'll call it the Kyrie Flat Earthers, and that'll be a so franchise. happy that
1: Steve Nash is gone from there. I I feel so bad for him that he had to deal with that crap. Really?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's amazing that he was there in the first place. I mm. think, right? I mean, he's a he's a Hall of Famer. He's yeah. a guy who likes to play soccer on the beach and uh you know hang out and why would you put yourself through that if you uh if you don't have to so <laughs> Turkey's enjoying the money and the of course, retirement yeah. and still being a two-time MVP. That's still a pretty good life to have. Right.
3: So my question is actually about that coaching because Kevin Durant actually made some comments today. He was saying how he doesn't like how the Nets prepare for games, the process, the practices, the game planning, stuff like that. Do you think that has to do with a lot with Steve Nash or do you think that has to do with even some of the coaching now or even before that with the, with the ownership and the executives who they bring in?
2: You know, that's a good question. I'm not sure. It might be a little bit of uh, column A, a little bit of column B. Um, they've definitely played better since Jog Vaughn took over. Uh, not so much uh, the other night against Sacramento, but nope. Um are still. It's weird, I, you know. Ben Simmons, if you if you look at it on paper, what Ben Simmons was in his peak, and you say you're going to add that a top five defensive player in the league to Kevin Durant, who is a at worst top five mm-hmm. offensive player in the league, arguably top three, arguably the best on paper. That should work somehow. And the fact that it doesn't is just kind of mind-boggling. And and I think it's way too early to tell from Jacques Vaughn's perspective whether that is uh, something that he can make work. It's only been, uh, you know, a couple of weeks. It's still not even Thanksgiving yet. So, you know, maybe when we get to Christmas or New Year, we have kind of a better um, sample size of what that can be on the court. But um, yeah, you know, it's tough to tell without being in that locker room and without experiencing what Duran is experiencing but we know that he's not a guy who's not gonna shy away from what he wants to say whether it be on um in, in articles or in interviews or whatever so um you know it's I don't think I'm uh, alone when I say that that place is gonna be interesting to watch all the way through <laughs> April May June July next season Let's be honest,
1: Jock Vaughn will not be there at the end of this season. I'm <laughs> telling you right now, he will not, and neither will Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's a big contract, though. That's a, that's a, uh, you know, that's a, the what, three years? He's got three years left after this season. But, again, all it takes is one team to say, yeah, we'll do it.
1: Mm-hmm. We are talking to the Athletic NBA Managing Editor, Tyler Batiste. There's another team in New York that, you, even though they're not opening their mouth, as we've seen over the years, uh, they, they weren't wrong about Jalen Brunson. He is the real deal. So they were right about that. It was a good contract. Uh, giving R.J. Barrett the contract that they gave him the offseason works for if they want to trade him in the next couple of years. It's a good contract. Mitchell Robinson adding the contract that they gave him. Even though he can't stay healthy, it's still a very good contract for the Knicks. Julius Randle was a bad one. Obviously, Fournier was a bad one. And you're looking at this team. Tom Thibodeau, for some reason, they, they did not want to trade for somebody that's playing for the Cavs. Because they really like this guy, Quinn Grimes. Why is it that this guy isn't playing enough? Because to me, if you think he is going to be a star in this league... You're playing him. Why isn't Obi, Obi Toppin playing when he's playing such good basketball right now? It doesn't make sense. Makes some sense to me here, man. I do <laughs> not understand what this team is doing. And, Tom, I've been rooting for you since day one. You need to be fired. You, you've you been horrible coaching this team.
2: Yeah, no, I <laughs> I can't make any sense out of it. If I could, I, I would, but – uh, you know, Tom Thibodeau is a guy who historically is like, you know, he's liked his guys and he's yeah. stuck with those guys that, you know, the, the ones that brought him to the dance. Derrick Rose obviously yeah. is one of those those players in the past. It's worked a lot of times, but uh, maybe not so much in, in certain situations now. Um, you would think that at the beginning of the year is the time where you would experiment with those different lineups, those different players. I think Cam Reddish has played really well in, in spurts, which is kind of surprising. I don't think a lot of people – um expected that coming into the season but obviously if you're playing cam reddish on the wing that takes away wing minutes from other people and it looks like it's you know quentin grimes and and some of those other young guys uh you know i think the east is kind of stronger people kind of expected it to be stronger coming in the season i would say maybe it's not as strong early mm-hmm. on as people anticipate i mean i think the knicks are seven and seven yes they are the hawks are you know in third place and they're like nine and five if i'm not mistaken yes. so it's not like what they're doing is kind of taking them out of the uh, uh the playoff race not to be talking about the playoffs 15 games into the season but they've got some time to tweak to time to experiment the the big thing what you mentioned is that the the, the newest acquisition Jalen Brunson seems to be a good fit how the people who've been there for the past couple of years work around the new guy I think if it was the opposite problem where the new guy was struggling to kind of uh you know you know mesh that would be a whole different issue but they've got the point guard it's not the point guard that maybe they thought they would get or the stark level uh caliber player that they maybe they thought they would get but he's reliable he can play and now you just kind of have to figure out the, the other parts i think you know i don't think the knicks are a top four seed in the east or anything no. but i think that i think they could make some noise if they get if they get their you know what together they've got so many wings so many bodies there's got to be some combination um that fits for an extended stretch and the thing is going to be to see whether Tom Thibodeau sticks with that or maybe goes back to, you know, one of those uh, combinations of those players that 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 kind of uh, has brought up success in the past. Still early.
3: <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned they were 7 and 7 right now. I actually saw something last week at one point the Knicks were 5 and 5. they were saying how they were the most average team in the league. They were 5 and 5 with the 16th ranked offense and 16th ranked defense and I think they were like <laughs> 15th in three point percentage or field goal percentage or something like that. Something weird. Like, that's a playoff uh, team in
2: the NBA, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah,
3: with yeah. all the teams that make it. I, I mean, I've right. always been somebody that's lobbied that there's it's a lot as it is because there's a lot yeah. of these under 500, especially in the Eastern Conference over the years. That There are all these under 500 teams that got into the playoffs. I've always been good with like a six-team playoffs with football and now with baseball. And uh, I thought the NBA always had it too much. But see, fans seem to like this play-in tournament stuff. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not
2: gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna uh, go against more basketball if I can get it. So yeah, there you
3: go. <laughs> so yeah. So my question with the Knicks as well is, uh, you're looking at somebody, you look at somebody like Obi Toppin and also uh, Emmanuel Quigley and, and Quentin Grimes. All three of those guys, they've all been rotated in the starting lineup at certain points, but because of Thibodeau, hasn't been there. So. If Tom Thibodeau does end up getting fired at the end of the year, is there a coach that you think right now, either somebody with experience or I know maybe one. an assistant somewhere else that you think would get the best out of these players?
2: Oh, man, that's such a tough question. I mean, uh, is your, your Steve Nash, is that who you were thinking of? No. No. <laughs> do you want me to, you want me to, you want me to <laughs> I'll
3: stay away from Steve yeah, Nash.
1: There's a guy that was offered the Charlotte Hornets job and decided to not bite okay. at it. And he he's from New York. He he really grew grew up with the New York Knicks. He helped Jeremy Lin grow, and right, right. by the way, he knows how to work with young players. Ask the Brooklyn Nets that just tossed him away. So right, why right. wouldn't he come to New York and coach the team that he's been rooting for since he was a kid? I, I it makes a lot of sense. You know what I'm talking I don't
2: about. Have a better answer than that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any inside info either, but I mean that makes sense to me. What you just said. I, I picked. I,
1: by the way. Two years ago, well, was two years before Tom Thibodeau got the job from the Knicks. I wrote an article and I said he's the next head coach for the New York Knicks, and he became the next head coach for the New York Knicks. I believe Tom Thibodeau will be fired this year, and Kenny Atkinson was the other guy that they interviewed. It was Woodson, Atkinson, and and Thibodeau. Everybody knew Tom Thibodeau was getting that job because he was good friends with Rose. If this team does not make the playoffs this year, which I believe this team is. I think Philadelphia's a lot better than they are. They did lose Harden for a significant amount of time. Miami's better than seven and seven, even if the Knicks make it in the play-in game or whatever the heck they call it. Chicago's better than they are when they get Lonzo Ball. Another, t- yeah. another
2: team too. Indiana's been playing. Yeah, Indiana's been playing well. Yeah. I mean, they everybody kind of assumed that they would they would embrace the tank and get rid of Miles Turner. Yeah. And, Buddy Hield, but Tyrese Halliburton, I think, is leading the league in assists. Benedict uh, Matherin from Arizona is like six man of the year mm-hmm. quality. They've still got Turner and Hield, and and, and yep. you know they that could be a team where obviously a lot of people thought coming in that they would uh, they would tank, but historically they've been a team that has competed yeah. just to try to get into the dance. And you know who knows? We might get to to, to Christmas or the turn of year, and they decide that they're going to keep on those all those assets and maybe try to maybe try to go for something, whether it be the uh, the playoffs or the play-in or, or or whatever they'll still have Turner's a free agent in the off-season, but they'll still have a couple of years of, uh, of of control over Buddy Hill that they can maybe make some moves down the line. But they also have
1: Rick Carlisle, who's a great coach. He's won a right, championship, right. so uh, if anybody can get this team to play, it's him. So, right. yeah, you're right. I, I mean, there are, and I don't think the Brooklyn Nets are this bad either. So, no, no right. matter what, they have Kevin Durant. I for now <laughs> they'll for now. Uh, But I think they'll figure it out. There's no way, if this team starts to really fall, as bad as this is with Kyrie Irvin, I didn't want to mention his name, um, I believe that they're going to have to bring Kyrie back, and he's going to have to play because uh, there is no way people are going to be in the stands. If you remember last year, well, the last two years, they had players standing outside the stadium selling tickets. Two fans, because nobody wanted to go in there and watch this team play. And they had Kevin Durant, James Harden at one point, and Kyrie Irvin. It's yeah. crazy. Stars, yeah. and nobody wants to watch this team
2: play. That just shows you how bad it is right now in Brooklyn. I also think I think part of it is what you kind of describe, but part of it is this kind of, if you grew up in Brooklyn, you know, odds are you're probably a Knicks fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Spike Lee. 100%. You know what I mean? That team is that team's only been in, in, in the borough and at Barclay center for about 10 years. And for a lot of people who are in New Jersey, that's a, that's a hell of a haul to make it to Brooklyn for home games uh, just to go and, you know, go back to Jersey the next day. Mm. So that fra that fan base is kind of, I don't want to say fractured, but it's just kind of a weird situation where, um you know, you don't have people who were kind of raised Nets fans who are in Brooklyn um that because their dads or their moms were Nets fans or their grandparents or something. So Um, you just kind of get that fair weather. I I get the sense kind of fans from time to time. And, and if things aren't clicking or if the expectations are not high, then those people are going to kind of, kind of go to weight. Um, I don't think we'll ever see like Spike Lee go in the Nets game. The Nets, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs>
1: well, sometimes he does. You do probably, see, It's probably an easier yeah, commute for him, but you see him sometimes. He, he's it's not the Knicks in the Nets, and he'll you see him in, over there watching the net games. He's not cheering them on. He's not wearing a Nets jersey, right? right. But uh, he he's there. He's wearing his Knicks hat, or he's wearing you know his Knicks you know memorabilia. So, he... he but. The only Nets jersey that Spike Lee would wear is is a custom one that says more dysfunctional. He's probably getting free tickets from the Nets. They're saying, listen, Spike, we want you there. Uh, We'll give you free tickets on the floor. (laughs) What is this, the LA Rams? (laughs) They're going to hire actors to play fans? (laughs) I could see it. I could see it. Anyways, everybody, we are talking to the athletic NBA managing editor, Tyler Batiste. Um, When you look at the Knicks as a whole, and, and where this team is as an organization and what this team as an organization is. Do you believe that the Knicks are a team that maybe has has ownership moving this team in the right direction now with Rose and Wesley and and all the other players, um,
2: all the players to this team? I think they're in a better position than they've been in in the past. Um, and I know Julius Randle hasn't really played – maybe up to the contract that he got a couple of years ago when he was the the most improved player but the way he was playing that season uh they probably that's probably a team friendly deal that he signed so it could have be a lot worse you know what I mean um they, they signed him if I recall correctly that extension came during the season um so you know it didn't wait for they didn't uh, wait for his uh you know kind of market to go up a little bit I think that was a smart move to, to it, it's weird to look back at it on hindsight because he's he hasn't played back to that level, but I think what the Knicks are paying him, other teams probably would have would be even at a worse position than that. I think as you mentioned, the Jalen Brunson signing seems to be working out. he seemed to fit in with everybody well um and i think the the key for them um and we'll see what happens is they've got a lot of assets as we know from the uh donovan mitchell uh you know trade rumors and discussions that went on. Um, over the offseason. They've got assets. They've got young players. Um, You know, you mentioned R.J. Barrett's contract, which I think is that extension is kind of uh, declining. If Or Jalen Brunson is declining, I'm sorry. If they ever want to get in a position in a couple years, that probably means they're in a bad position if they're trading Jalen Brunson. But they've got the – they're not in, in a position where they can't do anything. You know what I mean? They've got young players. Quentin Grimes, maybe you need to show off a little bit more, as you mentioned. Cam Reddish is playing well. You've got quickly. You've got um, these other young pieces and draft picks that maybe you get in the market um, of getting another star, potentially maybe somebody who's already in New York. Yeah. That wants to get to no. you know you. Know, no, another bird. what are you trying
1: I'm to talking. throw us off a bridge? What a, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, that, what are you trying to got, do, do to me, pieces, Tyler? You know? I like you. You're <laughs> your first time on this show, and I, I, I love you, man. But if you're going to try to pour poison to my team, do not bring it from the nets, okay? No, 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 I'm just, am... I'm just kidding. But they, they've
2: got the pieces, right? They've got assets, <laughs> they're not in a position where they can't. Uh, they're in a better position than maybe a, you look at Miami, which has always been kind of a well-run organization. Miami's up against the luxury tax. They don't have a ton to trade. They don't have a ton to move and improve the roster. And the net, the, the Knicks do. It's just a matter of having a, a, the, the right people make the right moves. And, again, if you look at what they did this offseason, getting Jalen Brunson seems to be a good one. Um, signing R.J. Barrett to that extension, um, I believe is going to be a good one long term, and we'll see what they can do um, over the next uh, couple of years.
3: All right, my last question. I know you got to get out of here in a few minutes. Uh, What was your NBA Finals pick at the start of the year, and and are you going to stick with it? Hold on.
1: Hold on. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess here. I'm going to guess it for you. Golden State. No. (laughs) That's everybody's every year. Uh, Phoenix. Phoenix? No. Okay. Then I'm I'm tied for words. Let's hear it.
2: (laughs) Well, in the uh, athletics uh, preseason survey, which was anonymous, but I'll share my pick because I like you guys. But I had the Bucks. <laughs> I picked the Bucks. You picked the Bucks. Um, okay. I had the Bucks. I think the Bucks, uh, I think it's you could argue last year that if if Middleton's healthy, they beat Boston yes. and mm-hmm. they go they go on to 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 um to, to to repeat. I always like to say now Chris Middleton hasn't played yet this year, but I'm always one of those guys who looks at players who are in those quote unquote contract years, and I just think they they play their asses off when when they're in that position. Middleton has a player option for next year, so once he gets back on the court, he's going to want to prove that he's worth you know, maybe not being second fiddle or third fiddle to Giannis and Drew, depending yeah. on how you look at that situation. I think the fact that they're hurt right now um, could help them in the long run because you're going to get some reinforcements in Middleton. You're going to get uh, Joe Ingles back who, who who turned towards ACL last season. Um, you could go big uh, with Brook Lopez and Bobby Portis. You've got shooting you've got the coaching experience you've got the player playoff experience you've got arguably the best player in the world so i think that as long as they're hanging around you know the second third fourth seed in the east they're going to be something to um be reckoned with in the playoffs and and i think looking at the west the way that that's so upside down right now portland's (laughs) the number one seed in the west uh I think that uh, Milwaukee's got a good shot to to win their second title in. in oh my three god games. the
1: Oh my god the West is like all over the place. What is yeah, going on with the West? I, Boy, I know I mean, it's Utah's
2: sliding. How is Utah, Utah ten really and though? six?
1: They lose their two best players, and somehow this team is ten and six. Oh, they could beat the not Lakers a, twice.
2: That's why.
1: I am, no. doesn't say healthy. (laughs) No, I am not. I am not a Lori marketing believer. I'm not a believer in the Utah Jazz, but for some reason, this team is winning. By the way, everybody, we are talking to the Athletic NBA Managing Editor, uh, Tali Batiste. Last question for me, Uh, ma'am. We look at the NBA and where the NBA is. The Golden State Warriors are 6-8. Nobody would have thought they were 6-8 at this time. I know it's early, and they're a lot better than anybody thinks they are. Now, Steph Curry has been very much praised over the years because of his his game and how it's changed the NBA for the better. Honest to God, and I I know you've been an editor and you've been a part of the NBA for a while, do you really believe that the three-ball has helped the NBA? Do you really think think that Steph Curry has helped the NBA grow as far as the three-point line is concerned?
2: I think, yes. I think from just from a standpoint of that, it's kind of more aesthetically pleasing, right? Like, mm. uh, you, you know, you have more fans, more casual fans, I think, are probably more likely to watch, you know, 120 to 118 shootouts where people are launching a bunch of threes than maybe, uh, you know, the, the Nets-Spurs NBA Finals series from 2003 where you're getting, you know, 70, 74, 71 finals. Um, I think the way that he plays is definitely... Um, uh, help the league, the spacing revolution or whatever you want to call it. And I'll, I'll take this opportunity to plug my, my, my colleague's book, uh, Mike Prater, who just wrote a book about spacing. Um, I think it's clear that he has now, whether it's, uh, I think for a fan, it's good, whether it is for um, how players are coming up, developing through high school and college. Um, I, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think what's interesting is when you look at the college game, it looks nothing like the NBA. And I think that's a problem. You know what I mean? It's kind of a situation where you look at NFL, so many concepts, so many uh, offensive defensive schemes have been kind of ripped from college. And now, you know, a pro style offense doesn't really mean anything anymore because everybody's spreading it out or running RPOs and, and you really don't see many college teams, if any college basketball teams play the way that teams play in the NBA. So I think that there's probably even a larger level of influence that could be had there. Once you see, the Dukes, the Kentuckys, the North Carolinas kind of playing the style of basketball that people play in the NBA, um, that kind of probably stunts some of the growth of, of, of some of these players who are going to those bigger schools. So as big as that influence is, I think it um, it's not even as big from a development standpoint as it as it probably could be.
3: I it's it's funny. You actually brought about Prada, Mike Prada. uh, (laughs) When I messaged you yesterday about joining the show, he actually responded like five minutes later saying he he wanted to join the show. We're (laughs) actually going to have him
1: on next week.
2: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Tell him I plugged his book. Yeah. There you go.
1: (laughs) I I'm just disgusted with the NBA and the three point line in Steph Curry, as good as he is at, at what he does. I think it's affected the game and the
2: growth of the game. Uh, I'm,
1: why don't we make a four point line? How about that? Make yeah, the game no, even I, more I, interesting.
2: I see your point. I mean, I'm not going to, I, I see where you're coming from. I'm not going to, I'm not going to disagree with it. Um, there's probably uh, a little less skill involved mm. for a lot of players now because if you can't shoot a three or dunk, maybe you're a little useless for some situations. Don't I mean, tell that to the Greeks. Margaret DeRozan <laughs> is like a relic right now, right? Like he's one of a kind. Yes. And, uh, you don't really see players like that anymore, but I see where you're coming from. respectfully, wow. I uh, disagree.
1: <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's okay. We love you still, but we really appreciate you joining us. we love to get you on again. You're awesome. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Uh, your stories and everything that you're doing and, and being the managing editor for The Athletic. It's definitely showing your growth as a writer. So
2: yep. we really Please appreciate Please subscribe. It.
1: That's right. <laughs> subscribe, ladies and gentlemen. Tyler Batiste. Thank you, man.
2: Take care.
1: Tyler Batiste, NBA managing editor. For the athletic, fantastic. Yes. He really is good personality, too. Mm-hmm. And he knows his stuff, but I disagree with him. <laughs> yes, you've made that pretty abundantly clear <laughs> in every discussion you've ever had about a three-pointer. I just, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm I, thrown off with the three-point line in the NBA. and I just think that the growth of the game would be so much better if the game was what it was in the 90s. It's just my opinion. I mean, when you look at the greats, the Michael Jordans, the Scottie Pippins, uh, uh, the Isaiah Thomases, and uh, Magic Johnsons, the Larry Birds, and I, I could go on and on and on and on and on and on. Even Tim Duncan, when he came into the league, that was when the game was just unique and special. And uh, just, I think you, you saw more talent being brought to the game. And now... You, there, I, I don't know how much talent you need to shoot three-pointers. I mean, if me and you were shooting three after three after three, 300, 400 times and practice every single day, I, I think me and you can hit a three in the middle of a bas- basketball game. 400 I mean, times? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, you'd get the understanding of where the ball is supposed to go and, and how close it needs to get to the net or the backboard to go in. So it just... I, I mean... If Ben Simmons actually practiced, he, he'd be able to shoot. But uh, maybe, he'll, maybe, he'll, maybe he'll attend worthless. Kyrie Irving's practice. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that team. I mean, just think about it. Who would have thought going into week four of the NBA that the Brooklyn Nets would be in 12th place with a 6-9 and nine record and the Golden State Warriors in the West would be 6-8 and eight in 12th place in the Western Conference? The answer, nada. All right. question, Nobody. Question, just out
3: of curiosity, what's the record? I know they're rebuilding. What's the record for the Thunder right now? Um,
1: they're six and eight. Okay, so every team every team that Kevin Durant's been on is under five hundred. There you go. And and then there's the Los Angeles Lakers. I have no idea what's going on with them. They I can't hit a three to save their life. I, I mean, how horrible can they be? And if I was LeBron James, do I want to stay there? I, I mean, right. I, I, I mean, I would demand to be traded. I mean but he's the one who wanted this team built like this. I he's having a good season. I is he scoring 28, 29 points or 30 points like he did last year? No. He's averaging 25, 24.9, 8 rebounds and and about 7 assists. He's still having a great year. I mean, if I if I had LeBron James scoring 25, 8 and 7, I'm Pretty happy. Okay. <laughs> I I
3: don't know if they still are, but collectively as a team, they were under 30% from three. He had one point this season. I think it was 28.2 or something.
1: How do like you that? have Anthony Davis and LeBron James on the same team? And you can't win. Honestly, it, it doesn't make Anthony Davis is averaging almost 25 and eleven a game. 25 and eleven, And and LeBron James averaging 25. What is it? I uh, I just said eight and seven. How do you not win? It's just you, you have two players getting almost 50 points a game. I'll tell you how. You have uh, Russell Westbrook, who averages 16 points a game and shoots too much. And he's coming off the bench now. And he's coming off the bench, which is not bad. And then everybody else, everybody else, Lonnie Walker, I'm looking at these numbers. Lonnie Walker's averaging 16 points a game. How is this team losing? All right. They're finally back above 30% from three. <laughs>
3: it is 30.7% they're shooting from three this year. <laughs> Yikes.
1: Is that why they're losing? That—that's Here we go. We were just talking about the three-point line. That is ruining the game. The three-point line is ruining the game of basketball. Let me ask you this question. If the Lakers weren't shooting so many threes, do they have more wins?
3: Maybe like two or three more wins, I guess. Two or three Let's... more wins is
1: better record than, guess who? The Nets. The Golden State Warriors. I I mean, this isn't good, man. I, I mean, could you imagine the Golden State Warriors have a bad season this year and they get the number one pick? <laughs> that would be so like the NBA to do that. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah, it would be, yeah. It would
3: be. Yeah, they tw- twice in that span in four years. I know we've seen bad lottery cases with with teams in the past. Even it's with, it's sickening. Even with the NHL too, but not like not like where they were like the first team out of the playoffs and they
1: get the number two pick. I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm gonna sit back and just laugh because uh, the NBA and we just had uh, Tyler Batiste. He's the the head of the athletic NBA managing editor. He 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 writes. He has so many people work you know, running and working under him, basketball writers. And he thinks it's good for the game. And we just mentioned a team that was supposedly supposed to be good this year can't hit a lick of three pointers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they haven't found the modern identity. Now granted it's a little different
3: than when the Warriors first broke out and Ten years ago, we were talking about all these teams having prolific backcourts. Now it's a little more with wings and even some big men that could shoot like that now. And the Lakers still haven't find other, found either one of them yet. I know what they got to do. they got to play Scottie Pippen Jr. There That's you what know. they got to do. <laughs> I, wonder, I, wonder if, uh, I wonder if Mike Guido would think he was better than his father. <laughs> Get <out> of here! <laughs> no, no, he's not.
1: But maybe Mike Guido would think that like he does Scottie with, Pippen. with Vladimir Guerrero. <laughs> Scotty Pippen Jr. is only in the NBA because of who his father is. Of Honestly, He is... He is no good, okay, as well as Kenyon Martin's son, all right? The only person, the only player so far that we've seen that's made the NBA light, he's not as good as his father, but he's half decent, is Gary Payton. Yeah. Gary Payton Jr. Right. That's it. That's the only one. He's he's pretty good because he, last year, what he did with the Golden State Warriors, and he got a contract in the offseason as well as he deserved, Um uh, is he a great player? No, he's a good player. You you can you could probably start him on some of these NBA teams. Yep. he's a pretty good player. <laughs> the way the, the way the Lakers were shooting three pointers,
3: he would definitely. Oh, they be, would love him. He yeah. would lo- he would definitely be good as a number two as a shooting guard. Yeah, he, he'd <laughs> be good over there. Him. Absolutely. Because they have they have to have one of their point guards come off the bench because <laughs> Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly are both the same skill set and can't be in the same backcourt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where's Gary Pete Jr.? Who's he playing for? He's still. Uh, oh no, he's with Portland now. That's right. And by the way.
1: Who's in first place? There you go. The Gary Payton the second effect. I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying here. I am just saying. Gary Payton Jr. Let's see what his numbers are today this year. Seven points, three rebounds, one assist. I mean, and he, he shoots 11 shots a game. That's not bad. Keep in mind, still he's also still coming
3: back from that gruesome injury last year. Too. Oh, horrible! So, yeah, and he got a big. He got a pretty nice contract. No, I'm glad he. I'm glad he got his money too because he was playing so well before he got hurt against the Grizzlies in that series. <laughs>
1: I mean. Really, the reason why they're winning is is one guy, and that's Damian Lillard. The rebirth of Damian Lillard. He's back to normal again. And I was very surprised the season that he had last year. He was not the same player that we imagined him to be. And now he's having a breakthrough year. And I I think he's fantastic. He deserves it. Uh, He's a Portland trailblazer for life. Uh, He took the two-year extension. He's the highest-paid player in n b a history yearly sixty million a year which is ridiculous but as well as he it's well deserved i yep. mean Good to, see, lo,
3: good to see loyalty, too, from some of these, uh, some of these players. Unlike, uh, unlike some other ones in Brooklyn that always like to demand trades. If he wasn't
1: a Treble is he probably would have been a Nick.
3: Yeah, that was definitely possible. I believe that. Three years ago, that was like all the hot talks that he was going to come to the Knicks. Him mm. and, it, it was thought of with him, either, either him or Chris
1: Paul at the time. But, I'm not mad yeah. that he's not, because I like Jalen Brunson. I think he, yeah, he's course. been a good fit for the uh, for the Knicks. Mm-hmm.
3: What a fourth quarter he had yesterday. It's really he's nice fantastic. Yeah.
1: Uh, boy, oh boy, what a steal the Knicks got him for. Man, yeah. What did they get him? Four years. Four years. One hundred four. One hundred four. That's a steal. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just think, the guy right now, if if you see where he's ranked as a point guard, he's ranked I think sixth. Yeah, in the NBA. That
3: sounds right. Yeah,
1: sixth, and they got him for a hundred. Uh, a top six point guard for hundred and six million. Mm-hmm. How? Where do you get contracts? That was a great move by Rose. The only, the Fournier and the. The Randall is kind of what hurts the Knicks right now. Right. It really does. They have to figure out how to get rid of those contracts. If they could find a team that can give them a good player and a bad player for those two contracts, I mean, the Knicks could be in a very good position. Three way trade, possibly. Yeah, so, it, yeah. It, they, I, I, those are hard
3: to do, but of course, but the NBA is the one sport where you even see four player, four team trades at some point. So it's possible if there's not in comparison to the other sports, but it's possible in the NBA.
1: All right. So why don't we go to our uh, through our Week 10 recap. We'll finish up the show doing that, and then mm-hmm. uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 9 p.m., as always. So let's go. All righty. We'll start with the London game, the
3: Seattle Seahawks and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers pull off the upset. Yes, Wes, I know you bet on the Buccaneers, so I know you were bragging about that for a while, but yeah, the, the Buccaneers were able to contain Kenneth Walker just enough, and I think that made made the difference in that game. The Seahawks, that was the first time they were really tested with adversity against the run, and I think that really ended up making a difference in that game. The receivers still were able to do enough to keep them in it for a while, and so was their defense, but uh, Tampa was able to get a much-needed win for them because they have not been playing well.
1: All I have to say is Seattle didn't show up in that game. They didn't. They were the better team. They know that game was for them to win, and they let Tom Brady somehow pull it off. That's why they lost, and Kenneth Walker didn't have a bad game, but he didn't have one of those outbreaking controlling games, and that's what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers needed to do, needed to, do to stay in that game. They They kept him at bay, and that's why they won. All right, next one: the Kansas City Chiefs twenty-seven. There was not mu- much to say about that game. That was a oh yeah game. We, yeah. We, actually, we kind of discussed that. We, yeah. we could actually skip that one. Uh, uh, I'm th- not talking about the, the the Vikings, the Seahawks and Buccaneers game. Oh, I think we're not- into the Jacksonville Chiefs oh, game. Okay, the Jacksonville Chiefs game. I mean, we we already discussed.
3: That. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Giants knock off the Texans, and. It was ugly. It was not, not pretty. A lot, of, a lot of penalties towards the end of that you game. You know what I really like about that Giants. game? You know
1: what I like about that game is what? after the game, what Dable said. <laughs> I, I like what he had to say. He said it was an ugly game, and it could have went any way, but he said we still came out as the victors. <laughs> So, yeah,
3: that's been concerning a little bit when it comes to the way the Giants have finished about A win is a win. A win is a win. They had the same problems against Jacksonville, held on by a yard in that game. Literally a yard from uh, losing on a walk-off in this game. Definitely not much different. And uh, they kind of benefited from a lot of bad tackling, too, from the Texans. But the Giants weren't tackling much better. They were like, every te- The Texans ran every screen in the fourth quarter and seemed to get a first down on it, which was just insane. But the Giants were able to hold on just barely.
1: Daniel Jones looked good. He, he did. I, I know everybody says, oh, you didn't have one of those breakout number games. 13 for 17, consistency, 197 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he ran the ball five, five times, 24 yards. You expect that from Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is doing everything to keep his team in the game, and he's helping them win. So if he's winning and he's on the winning side, you should be happy if you're a New York Giant fan and that's why they won. I think it is Saquon Barkley's dominance, uh, 35 carries, 152 yards, and one touchdown, and Daniel Jones' play. I And the defense played well in, this, in the fourth quarter. So I, I like what I see with the defense. I think the defense is for real. All right. And the Lions
3: come back in the fourth quarter to beat the Bears 31-30. Just so I thought the Bears were finally turning a quarter after winning against the Patriots, that defense continues to struggle. I think it's the first time a team has allowed 30 points and – 450-plus yards in back-to-back games, and their offense is being kind of wasted now because Justin Fields is having the best stretch of his career, and they've lost three of those games in that span. So definitely not ideal. But how about, a, how about him rushing again? 147
1: yards and two touchdowns. A week after three at 178. Yes! Ah, I love Justin Fields. By the way, I picked him up in our league, and Good. boy, oh boy, people are probably saying, boy, I should have picked him up. Uh, Justin Fields is is been the real deal. It's not Justin Fields, uh, uh, really. What Justin Fields did on the field on why they lost that game. It really had a lot to do with the defense. Uh, you, you get rid of your best linebacker, you get a little uh, rid of a lot of your big pieces. Uh, and Quinn, it didn't make any sense what they did in trading away these pieces when they were playing good football and they were possibly a playoff contender. They traded away those pieces. Uh, they're trying to rebuild and. This is what happens. Uh, The Lions are not a good team. Uh, They beat a Bears team that really is Justin Fields and nobody else. Yeah, that's it. Pretty
3: much. Uh, the Broncos, edging or the Titans, edging out the Broncos by a final of 17-10. to 10. The Broncos up most of this game, and then their offense couldn't do anything in the second half, just like always. I'll give the Broncos credit, though, on this. They've been bad against the run all year, but they were able to shut down Derrick Henry, just 53 yards. But the Titans, I was talking about overcoming adversity earlier. They overcame adversity in this game, finally able to get those younger receivers involved and actually throw the ball when their defense was able to shut down the Broncos' top skill player in Cortland Sutton when it mattered most.
1: Stink! Stink. Stink. That's all I can say about the Broncos. <laughs> what, are you, what are you, the Grinch? <laughs> I have no idea what this team is. I, I have no idea what this team is going to do in the off season. I don't even think it's Nathaniel Hackett. I think it's Russell Wilson. I, I, this team isn't good. They're just not. I, I I don't know what's going on with him, but uh, only time will tell in the offseason. But uh, they traded away a lot of pieces for this guy, and he just has not produced this year. He, Geno Smith has looked by far better than him. And uh, Pete Carroll's laughing to the bank right now because uh, with the way Geno Smith is playing, why would, he, why would he have to retire? I mean, he could have another two, three good years with the Genester. So, I don't know. Yeah, The ageless so wonder Pete
3: Carroll. The most energy we've seen since. By the way, Ronnie off, Tannehill
1: right? stinks. No, yeah, we do not
3: Please. Play. All right, uh, Miami blowing out the Browns, 39-17, to 17, a weird score. But the running game, winning this one for the Dolphins, not as much as you saw with the 2 I played great, 285 yards, three touchdowns. It was really the running game, that duo they have with Mostert and Jeff
1: Wilson getting it going again like they did with Miami. Dude, what a trade to bring in Jeff Wilson, <laughs> yeah. man. I, I don't know, man. San Francisco might be itching their head on why they traded him away for nothing.
0: <laughs>
1: I laugh because it, it's just funny to me. It's funny to me. This guy th- this guy could turn out to be a star in this league. And what? They traded him for nothing. Good for them. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Yep. For
3: them. yep.
1: <laughs> who knows? Great. They,
3: they may even, at this rate, we were talking about all the different Super Bowl scenarios. What about the Dolphins 49ers? Like all the ex-players on each, oh each of those God. teams. Please. Ex-coaches, ex-players.
1: I know you don't want to see it as a Jet fan, but. No. I, I don't want to see it. But you know who I'll be rooting for if it happens. You'll be rooting for the 49ers. So that was your pick at the start of the season. I know. hundred percent. But. Hey, listen, two is the real deal. I, I, I think if he could stay on the field, he's the real deal. I don't think anybody can attack him anymore. He's not the Hawaiian Tebow. He's good. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff has to be eating his words now. 25 for 32, 285 yards. He's accurate. He's making every single throw, and maybe Tyreek Hill was right about his accuracy. I wouldn't say he's more accurate than Patrick Mahomes, but he's been as good as Patrick Mahomes he's this been, year. He's, he's a top five probably MVP candidate right now. He's as He's been as good as Patrick Mahomes this year. Yeah. So maybe Tyreek wasn't wrong about that. Waddle, Hill, I mean, everybody was on there. Shef, uh, Shurfield, mm-hmm. uh, Ingold, everybody was catching the ball. Uh, he spread it out. Kiziki, uh, I mean, uh, even Jeff Wilson was catching the ball. So, yep. uh, I mean, they're the real deal, the, the the Miami Dolphins. I hate to say it as a Jet fan, but they Yeah, are. <laughs> you better watch out. A lot of these AFC contenders better watch out. They can find
3: some level of their offensive line.
1: Just remember who won the first
3: game. I know it was out with about two of them. Yeah, I was gonna say we'll, we'll see it. We'll see without two. It's hard uh, to beat a
1: team twice. I will also in see in Miami too. I <laughs> think they'll compete with Miami sure. in the final game of the year. Who knows? Both teams might be in the playoffs and not gonna play any of their players. Mm. So that could happen in the final game of the year. Yeah, so. definitely could. All or right. they'd be fighting for the number one the
3: number one seed.
2: Yeah. You know? yeah, no, could
3: they happen. could be. Miami's the two seed right now. So right? it's definitely possible. Uh, Saints-Steelers, you want just want to skip that one? Or? Yeah. Okay. We'll go to the 4 o'clock games. We There's something
1: did. to say. About, by the way, uh, T.J. Watt is back. And uh, maybe the Steelers, if they could start winning, who knows? T.J. Watt's real, man. He is He's beastly, man. When he's on the field, he's scary good. He really is. I think he's better than his brother. Yeah, he definitely could be.
3: I know um, I know. we talked about a lot about the Raiders earlier. I just want to say one thing about that Colts-Raiders game. Wouldn't it have been funny if uh, if Josh McDaniels did it and I'm getting fired against the Jeff Saturday, who replaced the coach that oh, God. St- took the Colts job when Josh McDaniels spurned it?
1: Everybody <laughs> said that was going to happen. I just have for the whole I should have just went with Jeff Saturday in Indianapolis by the way, my picks were horrible this week. No, no, you, you, you want me to spoil it? Mm. All three of us were 7-7 seven and seven this week. <laughs> it was horrible this week. I, I laughed at it because I was like, I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong.
3: I was wrong. All so, three of us were 7-7, seven and seven, so you didn't lose anything with that. But. Uh, let's go to the game that the Beeb was complaining about. Oh, the Dallas Cowboys. They were up 28-14. to 14. And then they blew it. It was the referees. It was the referees. The referees. Yet you're not complaining about the Eagles getting the screwed Wef's. by the referees. They
1: hurt our feelings. Give me a break. Well, you know what did hurt. Here's what hurt. Here's what hurt. Aaron Rodgers. That's what hurt. And Christian Watson. Where the hell was your defense? Where was this Diggs kid? With this first-year player that. Barely could catch the ball in the last couple of weeks, and now all of a sudden becomes a superstar in one game. Give me a break. Rest in peace. Yeah,
3: that was a Christian Watson, who was not even just a rookie receiver, a rookie receiver coming off an injury, too. So he really is unproven. And he was able to stretch the field and make all those catches against the Cowboys. Not just even Trayvon Diggs. like all, a river. All these other corners, all these other young corners that have played well for them this year. J-Ron who's played nice in that secondary. Malik Hooker. They were beating him over the top. It wasn't, yeah, Aaron Jones had a nice game, but it wasn't just, it wasn't just him. It was all, a lot of these random guys. For a defense that's supposed to have all this depth that the Cowboys do in that secondary, yeah, I, I don't think it looked very good. They're another one of those defenses if you don't get that four-man rush. It's going to be very hard for you to make it work, and the Packers were able to decoy against Micah Parsons at certain points when they needed to. Aaron Rodgers able to extend plays nicely, and it looked good for for the Cowboys. And uh, all the all you Packers fans that love to take shots at Mike McCarthy, uh, Mike McCarthy finally won a game for the Packers by blowing a 28 to 14 lead with his coaching.
0: Yippee! <laughs>
3: <laughs> and no, beeve you can blame the refs all you want, yet. Dude, that same energy it for the Eagles. It was the referees. I expect that same energy for the Eagles, who got screwed even more or worse by the referees in, that, in their matchup. It was the WEFs. I'm telling you, it was the Webs. There you go. All right, last of the 4 o'clock games, the Arizona Cardinals, 27, the LA Rams, 17, a 10-point fourth quarter for the Cardinals. And no more Cooper Cup for a while for this LA Rams team.
1: That means uh, they're done. That's yeah. all I'm gonna say. I have the Cardinals in this game, yeah. <laughs> and as they did. <laughs> yeah, the
3: battle of the backup quarterbacks. It's weird. Colt McCoy's actually won. I think three of the four games he's played when he's been the backup quarterback with the Cardinals. I remember he won a game in 2020. Did I, didn't I pick the Cardinals? No, you game? didn't. Oh, I didn't. I thought I did. Yeah, you didn't. That
1: was. That's what I picked
3: them. Nope. I, I went through all of them. Uh, you, you, I think you considered it, but you, you deviated. I it did to the Rams. consider it. Yeah. I should.
1: I, I should have. You sure. know, I watched. I, I watched the first episode of Hard Knocks this past week of the Arizona Cardinals. I, I'm going to watch the rest of the the season of it, but boy oh boy, Kyler Murray, he is the most cockiest player in the NFL. I love him. He is so cocky.
3: Yeah, I and, to say. Well, they rallied around Colt McCoy, 238 yards, DeAndre Hopkins,
1: individually versus Jalen Ramsey, winning
3: a lot of those battles. Uh, Especially the the Rams were doing him a lot in zone coverage, too, and Hopkins was able to beat that, too. I think he had 71 of those 98 yards there. And James Conner, he's been a little iffy since returning to the lineup, but did have two touchdowns in this game. It wasn't strange, though. They cut their other running back, Eno Benjamin, who was playing well for them, too. Strangely cut him. Now he's with the Texans. But that's another story for the front office that uh, Derek loves to bash with that Cardinals front office, which I liked for a while, but all of a sudden falling apart. And that defense, I guess they're playing better, but still not great.
1: I think the Cardinals are going to start winning. That's what I think they is better. going to happen. And with that division, anything's possible. I mean, after watching Seattle just completely blow a game that they should have won, uh, okay, they, they're better than Tampa. I, I don't know. I, I, I still think Seattle's the best team in that division. Uh, crazy to say that, but I don't know. I, I think Arizona could be a lot better. I mean, they have Hopkins back. They have weapons. Brown, I mean, they can win. I just – I don't know if it's a little too late. So. It might be It might be just all the bad
3: losses that they had. But that
1: division stinks, so anything.
3: Can I happen. mean, they, they still get to don't play – Don't they play Seattle again? They play – no, they're done with Seattle. Oh, they they still play the 49ers twice, though. So if they can sweep them for the season, maybe they steal the 49ers' wild card spot, I guess. Maybe. But they I don't think they've ever swept the 49ers since well, Kingsbury's gotten there. If, so. if the 49ers lose next week and the Cardinals win – they have the same record. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely possible for, for that scenario to happen, but the 49ers, besides uh, b- being that they have most of their harder games out of the way... Actually, no. They
1: would... Um they would be 5 and 6 and the 49ers would be 5 and 5 5 and 5 so, so yeah right there but, yeah. So,
3: nevertheless they would have to at least win one of those games probably both to come back on the 49ers because yeah. the 49ers have already swept the rams for the season and beaten the seahawks once already too that's so that's true yeah. that, that divisional record's going to be strong <laughs> Speaking of the 49ers, they survive. a oh, ugly showcase of red zone offense. Despicable. <laughs> like I said earlier, it looked like Cliff Kingsbury was coaching the 49ers' red zone offense because they looked like it was looked like. Now, granted, one of them was a bad drop with Iuk You can't really blame the coaching I'll tell you who looked better
1: than uh, Christian McCaffrey. Iuk. <laughs> uh, Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell, yes. He looked really good. <laughs> I mean, I'm questioning maybe they shouldn't have made that trade for Christian McCaffrey. I mean, Elijah Mitchell looks beastly. He's back, he's healthy, and we saw what he did in the playoffs last year. He is uh, a beast of a man, and and you, you made that move for Christian McCaffrey. Maybe you move him in the offseason, Elijah Mitchell, and get something significant back for him because you have no draft stock. Right. You really don't, so get something back for him, or try to use this two-headed monster, but, dude, Elijah Mitchell is the real deal. Mm-hmm. He is the real deal, and please, Jimmy, stop going to basketball games. <laughs> you don't look good. Especially when you barely squeak by a Los Angeles Charger team that has so many injuries. So many injuries, but the one
3: thing the Chargers were, the one thing the 49ers were able to do that not a lot of teams have done in the last month or so really is they were able to stop Austin Eckler running. Now, receiving wise, Eckler still got a lot of his with the screen passes and good, some good routes over the middle of the field too, which they've had to do with no receivers there. But still. It, They've just shut down the run game, too, and really made the Chargers offense one-dimensional. And, again, this game could have been a lot bigger if they were able to get their own red zone offense going. The one thing I think they will have to adjust to, this is more on Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, than the rest of the coaching staff, is once Debo Samuel was really taken out, Asante Samuel Jr. did a great job taking him out of this game. They really didn't – Jimmy didn't really spread the ball around as well as he could have in that second half, especially. And then, finally – the first loss of the season for the Philadelphia Eagles. I know somebody that wasn't happy over there. As yeah, as they should be, because you want to talk about a team, beeve that actually got screwed by the referees. That would be the Eagles. One blatant face mask, and then a stupid roughing the passer call on Brandon Graham. At the hey, end a win of is game. a win. <laughs> I mean, obviously there's no guarantee that Jalen Hurts gets enough of the final drive, but at least they have a minute 20 to do it, not 10 seconds in a lateral play. Hey,
1: listen, Hennekeep. I'll play it Hurts. That's yeah, what he happened. did. He did. He played good, and 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 he is absolutely well deserved to play next week. Yeah. I, I I like Carson Wentz, and I'm not taking shots at him. I love what Ty, Tyler Henneke. I, I like what Henneke said. I like what he said, saying that it doesn't matter if he plays or he doesn't. He's going to root on the other the other player, Taylor. I'm sorry, I call him Tyler. Yeah, um, Taylor. You know, his numbers were better than Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts made some mistakes. He made a big mistake at the end of the game. And it wasn't that he threw touchdowns. Henneke did not throw any touchdowns. should have, but he didn't. But he made the big throws when he needed to. And right. that is why they won the game. Uh, he should start next week. It doesn't matter who. Is healthy. Yeah. Okay. That that was the biggest
3: thing for me. It was the third down was the overwhelming advantage that Washington had in that game, and Taylor Henneke was a big part of that when it came to spreading the ball around. Yes, Terry McLaurin had the majority of the overall passing yards, 128 of. Kind passing yards, but they were still spreading the ball around when they needed it. Oh, so. I was happy about that. Yes, I know you were. Meanwhile, <laughs> I meanwhile I lose by two and then lose another league because of the Devonte Smith lap. Do you see where I am? You see where I am?
1: Good. I'm rooting for you now because I'm probably done anyway. <laughs> Jeff says the beef's gonna call in live, raking the glory all over us. I hope you win. Th- I, I miss
3: Jeff from that. <laughs> that's pretty funny. I, I hope you win now because I'm not rooting for any of those uh, other two <laughs> luck-ass teams above you. Not not Sutton Ranch. Sutton Ranch deserves it, but the oh, other two luck-ass teams oh, above man, you.
1: That's pretty funny.
3: <laughs> but, yeah, the the Henneke made enough good throws on third down. I think that made the difference. I also think they ran the ball better than expected in this game. Brian Robinson had some nice runs. Antonio Gibson wasn't great, but did have a couple nice uh, third-down runs and that touchdown as well. Yeah. And, Yeah, they were able to rush the passer, I think, when they needed to. The Eagles, I think, also did not help Jalen Hurts a lot. There were a lot of draft passes in that game. And also, A.J. Brown's injury in the first quarter didn't help as well. He was able to come back, but he definitely didn't look the same.
1: By by the way, Jeff says the Islanders lost to the Coyotes. Pathetic. But but guess what, Jeff? Guess where the Islanders are. They're in second place. So, say whatever you want about the the Islanders losing against the Coyotes. Where are they now? Uh, Yes, you're Boston... Bruins are playing good hockey, but wait until they play the Islanders. I can't wait for that because I would love to stick it to you, my friend. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, great show, Speedy. Really was. Thank you uh, to the Athletic NBA Managing Editor, Tyler Batiste, for joining us. He was fantastic. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to uh, former commanders and Browns fullback and tight end Mike Sellers. Hopefully his father's okay. Yes. We'll be talking uh, to him very soon, uh, hopefully. Uh, who's in first? Um, Yeah. They're in first in their division, no question that they are. Um, by the way, uh, the everybody that we've talked to, that have, the hockey guys said that the Islanders aren't even a playoff team. But boy, oh boy. Uh, by the way, um, who's one of the best defenses and one of the best offenses in the NHL? That's right, the Islanders. That same Islander team that didn't bring in any, offensive play, any offense in the offseason are one of the best offensive teams in the whole NHL. Mm-hmm. Figure that one out. Figure that one out. Yep. Yeah, Boston's having a good season. I'm not taking shots at Boston. I, I never hated the Boston Bruins. I don't hate them. Seem- have you ever heard me talk- take shots at the Boston Bruins? I think only just directly at Jeff. Just Jeff. <laughs> just, just, just Jeff. I have nothing against... <laughs> the Boston Bruins. Yes, I do. I, I don't like the Boston Celtics. You always tell your uh, your great Brad Marchand story. Yes. But, uh, I, I have no problems with the Boston Bruins. I, I like the Boston Bruins more than I, I like the Rangers. Okay? <laughs> I know. I think you like every NHL team more than you like the I Rangers. Like the Rangers. <laughs> uh, but, hey, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm happy about my Islanders. I, I'm very excited about where the Islanders are going. We'll see where, uh, where the season lies, and if they keep it up, we'll see what happens. I, I think it'll be fun. I really do it, and there are some interesting uh, moves that theologists can make at the trade deadline can make them better. So yeah, you should not rule that
3: out by any means, even with the offense still playing well.
1: Yeah, and hockey's interesting because there a lot of the good teams are bad teams, and and a lot of the bad teams that everybody thought. Are the good teams. I, I knew the Islanders were a lot better than they were last year. It was because of the whole COVID situation for two weeks and no home games in the first month. I, I knew they were a lot better. And they got they did get better in the offseason. They did. Uh, if any Cowboy players need... Uh, what is the... <laughs> I'm not saying that online. live radio. I am not doing that either. Anyways, uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 9 p.m. Good night. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.